How has running saved my life? Well, I actually think that mountains have maybe saved my life more and um, the vehicle really for me is running because what I discovered very quickly was that I needed to spend more time seeing more of big hills and wide spaces in Scotland and that made me feel a lot better about life um, and running is definitely the best way for me to do that. So yeah, running I guess in one way has helped me to uh, be a better person and definitely has made my life better. I don't, I don't actually know what I would do if I couldn't run in the mountains. I certainly wouldn't be able to do as much as I would want. Okay. Welcome to the Explore Running Podcast with Callum and Jenny. Welcome to episode four of the Explore Running Podcast. Uh, I'm Callum Crichton and I'm joined by Jenny Reese Jenkins. So welcome Hello. back. Uh, we've got um, had a wee look earlier. We've managed to acquire someone listening in Denmark as well as France and the United States. So that's cool. Hello to Denmark as well as other places and we've got a few in the UK as well, thankfully. Um, so hopefully <laughs> Join the last three episodes, and um, we've got another good episode with a, a really cool interview lined up later on. But firstly, Jenny, what's been happening the last couple of weeks since we uh, last spoke? Not an awful lot. I've got a bursa on my knee, which is like an inflamed knee. So I've been resting. I'm on day four of non-running. That's a bit dull, <laughs> but it well, is my own fault. So, it's okay. I, I had, uh, let me think, three days of not running last week because I was away and didn't oh. get out. Um, is that right? Friday, Saturday, Sunday, yeah, which was like, felt a bit weird. <laughs> yeah. yeah it wasn't an injury, but yeah, so, what, so what, what's a bursa? What is that? Uh, well, it's a swelling, so it's like a, I guess it's like a little pocket of fluid that builds up when you've sort of caused, well, sometimes it's like the over-stressing of an area. So I actually ran in shoes that weren't, that were wrecked, and uh, over a quite long distance in the lakes when I was mm -hmm. down there. And it just caused like aggravation to the side of my knee. And then mm -hmm. the bursa sort of, the fluid fills up, I suppose, to sort of protect the bone and to protect all the stuff that's there. Um, and it just it feels very sore. So I ah, couldn't wait there it. at all. Oh. Yeah, so it's quite, it's quite, it's quite a bad one. But yeah, but you can, you know, I went to physio and uh, that helped quite a bit and got told not to run. But then I did run and then it got worse. <laughs> so. I'm now icing lots, elevating, yeah. taking lots of ibuprofen, and if I beha if I really behave, then it should be okay for running London next week. So yeah. I'm behaving. I'm doing. Yeah, well. I mean, <laughs> I suppose 
I mean, you don't want to get injured, and it doesn't sound like the sort of serious type of injury either that's going to ruin it. No, it'll be okay. If you're going to get yeah. something like this, you probably want it within the two weeks before. <laughs> yeah, taper time. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of forces uh, you to back off, which I imagine without yeah. being forced to back off, you'd have still been banging in big miles. Well, Stuff, so yeah, yeah. to work out in your favour for, for running a good marathon, but we'll see. Fingers crossed it clears up and you can get out and yeah. do it again before London. But um yeah, so we'll we'll uh we'll touch on on London and that sort of thing at the end of the podcast I guess when we discuss what's coming up. So yeah, not not an awful lot of running for you, but since I try to think how long ago it was you were running running in the lakes, that was the uh, two weeks, yeah. Had we spoken since you were there? You were just back, I think. No, I, I don't think so. Yeah. I think maybe we were just newly back. Yeah, you were, because you were away with uh, Kev, weren't you? That's so, right. Yes, and you were away so, yeah. at your training. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, yeah, so we've probably already spoken about that, but that was, I was going to... That was where you were late. What's it called again? Lakeland... Lakeland? 100. Yeah, it's Lakeland. Lakeland 100. Yeah, because Lakeland's yeah. a plastic shop, isn't it? I was, <laughs> I was like, yeah, it's, it's also that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Lakeland 100. When's that? Uh, not till July. So ages. July. Got a while yet. Yeah. So it was good. Yeah, yeah checked yeah, out yeah. quite a bit of the route. It was fine. Awesome. So, yeah, so, so how's your training? Yeah, well, really good actually. I mean, since we last spoke, I I've been on holiday, so I had uh, a running coaching course up in Aviemore two two Saturdays ago, oh, or that's right. two days after we last spoke, anyway, which yeah, Saturdays ago. Um, so I was up there with the family with the caravan for four days, and it was going to be a week, but my eldest daughter. Well, both the daughters had tickets to go and see Disney and Ice in Aberdeen, and the sickness bug hit our house just that weekend, so nobody got to go. So we landed up get offloading those tickets and getting tickets in Glasgow last week. So we did sort of half of the week in Aberdeen and half of the week in Glasgow. So we got Aberdeen and I ran a couple of times. I was up there um, on basically on the space side way, which is pretty cool. Um, mm-hmm believe how well connected Aviwar is or that area is in oh, terms yeah. you could just be off the road on trails and not like the trails I, w- I was on were like really easy to run on trails you know very man-made sort of trails but I can't believe people yeah make creating these trails I mean I, I went I did it was just 10 miles but it was 10 mile point to point run and the only time I went on a road was to cross it, you know, it was just amazing. Yeah, uh, it is great. Uh, I did another run a couple of days later, going the other direction, um, I went back sort of thing, and I did maybe, I can't remember, seven or eight miles or something, but, uh, and then down in Glasgow, I managed to get in a 16-mile run, and that was the only run I did when I was away. I did another couple of runs that week, but... Um, so then I have a full training week last week, but as far as holidays go, that's probably the best training I've done on holiday for a long time. Normally I really struggle mm. on holiday, so kept the momentum going relatively well. And then this week, I've probably had my best training week so far. 
for about two years. I've done wow. two sessions um, and a long one this morning. So I'm sitting at about 50 miles for this week. Still with the weekend. <laughs> A big, big session Monday at the track at the 12 by 600 metres, which I've never done before, um, and knocked them at about well under 10k PB pace. So, wow. sign. that was a tough one. Like, I mean, my legs were still still struggling a bit by Wednesday morning when I went out to do my next session. I did a three by two mile run on Wednesday, and that was like. Uh, not quite 10k PB pace, but not far off it. It's kind of supposed to be a half pace effort, and it was a lot quicker than half marathon pace. So, pretty pleased with that, and felt fine afterwards. And uh, went out did an 18 mile run this morning. So, and I feel that's that it's the longest run I've done for well since last year, anyway. Since last summer, I think I did a couple of 20s last summer when I was thinking of doing a marathon, but then landed up not doing it. But um. <laughs> Yeah, it came pretty easily, and you know it wasn't slow. Well, I wasn't you know, not faster, and it was an easy pace, but it wasn't like a slow easy pace. Yeah, but, no, yeah so it feels like it's coming together pretty well for me. My... Yay! I'm do 18 mile runs and 10k build ups. We're kind of adding in some longer runs with the 12 hour thing coming up uh, in September. Yeah, ease myself into that. So do yeah, okay. longer runs. So. Yeah, I'm feeling pretty, pretty good, pretty confident about upcoming races and stuff. But we'll see how it goes. Um, got another week of training, then a week uh, to take it easy before the, the first 10k race. So hopefully next week will be as good as this one. And uh, yeah, yeah, and I'll be buzzing with confidence at the start line. Hopefully. Whoop whoop! What's your first 10k? Is it? Yeah, Baker Hughes. Yeah. Yeah. This is the fifth of May. So yeah, we'll speak about that again towards the end of the show, I guess, when we speak about what's coming up. But I mean, that's yeah. in the next two weeks. It's just over two weeks away. But um, yeah, I've not felt this happy with my training for a while, actually. I've not felt this fit. <laughs> so fingers crossed it's just not in my mind. <laughs> yeah, the, the year's getting better already. That's yeah, great. yeah, it's cool. So, uh, so yeah, yeah. Um, the story I was going to discuss, and what you just mentioned about your knee injury, falls right into it, actually, because it was going to be going to speak about running shoes a little bit, because the story popped up on social media about this guy called Jim Thorpe, who I'd never heard of before. He, he was uh, sort of one of these uh, all-American collegiate athlete guys. I think he played American football as well as athletics. And um, at the 1912, there's a photograph of him at the 1912 Olympics, and he's got different coloured socks on and quite clearly two different shoes. And uh, the reason for this is he, um, the morning he was away to compete, I think it was in it was a multi-event, multi-discipline event, like heptathlon or pentathlon or whatever it was it did back then. And uh, somebody had stolen his shoes the morning of the huh. event. So he had a rake about and he found a shoe in a bin or something like that. But he found he basically managed to cobble up two different shoes, one of which was too big for him. So he had to put on two pairs two socks on that foot just so that he could fit his shoe in and he went on to win gold medal at, in his event at the Olympics. And he's I looked up his Wikipedia page and he's a he's a pretty successful athlete. He's got a heap of goals to his name and stuff. But um so that in itself is pretty cool, obviously. Yeah. But, 
sort of got me thinking that um, we've got all this hype around running shoes and stuff just now, and well, we have had for a while, but it comes in fads, you know, with um, super cushion shoes, and then that gave way following pretty much on from that guy who wrote that book about the uh, that native native tribe. I forget what they're called now. The um, the hell's that book called again? The uh, Chris McDougall book, um, Born to Run. I know what you mean. The yeah. Born to Run book. Um, and these guys run about and they do ultra marathons and sandals that they've made out of mm-hmm. stuff like that. And um, and he is a massive advocate of running minimalist barefoot. And that sort of paved the way for all that. Uh, is it? I don't know how you say it, Vibram, or... Yeah, yeah, no Yeah, and, uh, and all sorts of other ones, uh, minimalist shoes and, you know, and all this sort of thing. And then it seems to be going back the other way, with more cushioning and all that sort of <laughs> stuff. There's this thing with the, the, uh, the Nike ones at the moment, the Nike Pegasus something fly, I can't remember what they're called now, Zoom fly or something, the, the, the 4% shoes that the marathoners are wearing and they're 200 plus quid a pair. Jesus. You, you get your hands on them because they're all sold out and all this sort of thing. My and God. But it's like, I, I really do not believe that a pair of shoes gives you a 4% benefit. But that's not really, not really the discussion I was going to have. It was more around i put in the show notes, the running shoe con, or is it? And it's like, <laughs> uh, how much do we need running shoes? So I've gone through the full cycle. I went into the running shop and I started running. Got fed up. I overpronate or whatever it is. I, I roll my on, on the side, outsides of my feet when I run. And so I got the stability things to stop that happening. Thought that was the right thing to do until after I read that book and started thinking, oh, maybe I shouldn't have all that cushioning in my shoes because all that's doing is masking a weakness somewhere. And so I gradually transitioned down to more minimalist shoes and I could run, like this morning, 18 miles on a pair of shoes that aren't even running shoes. They're like gym shoes or something. There's zero cushioning in them at all. But uh, I did, I did sort of go back a step and I bought a pair of shoes recently which are Brooks Hyperion I think they call them and they've got a little bit more cushioning in it and I thought I was maybe struggling a bit towards the end of half marathons uh, on minimalist shoes so a bit of cushioning which is kind of what the Nike ones are all about but these ones cost less than half the price <laughs> <laughs> just to give my legs a bit of protection towards the end of a longer kind of race that was the thinking anyway so but I do, I barely use them in training. I use the sort of lightweight, minimalist ones in training runs. And so I was really just, I wondered what you thought about it. You, you kind of mm. jumped in with your your knee thing. You run on that. Yeah. that cost. Well, I think it was. Yeah, I I've shoe debate. I've got a few <laughs> friends that run in uh, sandals, running sandals. Lena. Oh really? Oh, you've yeah. pictures of the guys' feet recently. Yeah, because 
Alex, my friend, he ran across Europe in them, um, and he's done Land's End to John O'Groats in his uh, sandals. He's doing Bob Graham in them. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow. it just shows you. I mean, if you see him run down Scree and run down a mountain, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's the same, he's, you know, barefoot running, it's insane. And then mm-hmm. here's me, with bloody hobbling along the skyline in my shoes. But my problem is, it's the training. Um, I, I, I guess I get used to a type of shoe and then um, you, in technical running, I suppose I'd, I run in a way because I've got the trust in the shoe um, and when I hurt myself mm-hmm. it's because I wore shoes that I, I didn't really trust and I kept finding that I was jarring my leg all the time. So it's actually, it's really bad running form. It's, well, it is definitely bad running form that caused caused the injury. But the same debate, like when you look at legends, fell running legends, I mean, they don't, they didn't spend a lot. I mean, some of them have Walsh's and things like that. But, you know, back in the day, what was it? The legends go that Bob Graham did his first round in a pair of slippers. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's like things like that. They might as well have been slippers. Well, yeah. it works. They were just a wrecked pair of shoes and a mm-hmm. few boiled eggs, and off he went. So, Lots and there's of, a lot yeah. of that in mountain marathons. You know, folk go don't. You know, if you see some of the the best runners don't have expensive gear. You know, they go to Aldi and buy a waterproof jacket, and it's as good, and it's still got tape mm-hmm. seams and still passes. Or, you know, Decathlon, all these places that have a, a wealth of different brands that aren't quite as wanted or respected as others. It doesn't mean that mm. the quality is any different. So I guess it's just like anything in life. It's like, do you drink Tesco cheap Prosecco or <laughs> something <laughs> that, or champagne? I guess it's all all the same, really. Depends on crappy um, yeah, no, I think that's right, and I think that's kind of where I I fall into this debate. I've always, not always, I've in the last couple of years sort of thought that, and it is the argument that you know, you, if you go back, I was going to say thirty years, but maybe more like forty years now. Before, I think Nike were probably the first ones to sort of capitalise on the running, the running thing. Um, they start creating running shoes and. Um, I've heard people saying that you know running injuries didn't really exist before this, the running <laughs> phenomenon, um, which must—I'm I'm sure that's untrue. But, um, but yeah, the, the, I think what you said about relying on the shoes that you're running in is, is a thing. So I, I said I had those super cushioned shoes, and I used to when I was going through the phase of sort of transitioning down to sort of less cushioned. You know, I did it gradually. I had, one slightly less cushioned and slightly less cushioned. And and I was, at that time, I was training for a marathon and I was doing my long runs, maybe my easy runs as well in between, I can't remember, but definitely my long runs in the super cushioned ones, thinking that would be the best thing to do to protect my legs and all that sort of thing. But I picked up an injury, like huh. 10 miles in a 20 mile run or something, which felt like a niggle. And I kept running, went away, and then when I stopped, um, it was my, my calf, and my calf just like went solid, you know, at the end of the run, and it was like, oh, shit, that might be an injury. And then try to run a couple of days later, and got about 100 meters down the road. It was like, no, that's definitely not happening. But I, 
this may not be true, but in my head, I decided that that was caused by I'd probably put a, quite a lot of miles into those shoes, and the cushioning had gone. But I was my had become reliant on the cushioning in those shoes. Yeah, the cushioning wasn't there anymore, and so the weakness I did have was exposed. And that was the point. I, I just chucked those shoes out, never wore them again, and. Uh, <laughs> I, I then I was I was not very far away from the marathon by that point, maybe six weeks out, so I had a few big runs to do. Um, but I was never planning to run the marathon in those shoes, so it's a bit mental to train in them, I suppose. But and the long ones, but uh, I then did my long runs in the shoes I was planning to run the marathon in, and that was fine. You know, I had, I had like ten days of not running or not running properly, and had to do a couple of sessions on cross training or stuff like that. But luckily, it was fine, and I got back into training pretty quickly. And and yeah, I've never run in super cushion shoes ever since. And I've never and, and and like I tell you, I went. I remember the first run I ever did in the not the same shoes I ran this morning in, but same exactly the same uh, brand and style, um, minimalist ones. I did like a thirty-minute run, and my calf muscles were absolutely screaming at me for a couple of days afterwards because I just wasn't used to putting load in all loading everything into my yeah. car because the cushion was taking all of that strain. And so I then thought, well, there's also something there. I, can, I physically cannot train my calf muscles running in those big heeled cushion shoes. So I gradually started running everything over time in these ones. And now I can run like, I've run 20 mile hours and stuff and it's fine. So yeah. part of me thinks Just you're about. also missing out on a training benefit if you've got... Yeah. There's all sorts of things in between, you know, there are slightly cushioned ones, there are ones that have got absolutely nothing, but I guess the main thing is to find a pair that are comfy, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, things that are, and it depends what you're looking for as well, I suppose, if you're taking your running very seriously, I mean, a lot of these guys are getting sucked into the 200 plus pounds Nike shoes because they're scared they're going to miss out on this benefit that other people are getting and people are going out yeah. and running super fast times and then everyone, no one can be quite sure if they have got a benefit. The placebo effect. Yeah, and uh, yeah. I, I just can't see myself going out and buying, I don't really like buying Nike stuff anyway to be honest, but I don't really like what they stand for. I guess it's each yeah. to their own. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's a lot. There's obviously a lot of science in it. I mean, I, with uh, new runners, I would be advocating that they have proper running shoes. And certainly with kids at work, when we do Duke of Edinburgh and that, you know, I wouldn't dare. And, you know, I'd definitely be advising them to get the right footwear for the terrain and all those kind of things. But I think there does get a point where you have to really think about how it feels and try things out and I can't really see anything I just bought a new pair of uh, rock lights um, the innovate the new innovate ones with the G grip <laughs> so it's probably another con but it sounded really good and they look pretty and they feel like slippers yeah. so <laughs> yeah, so I think lovely. when it comes to sort of your your off-road shoes is a little bit different uh, I mean they're probably the, I had them on last night actually and I think they're the ones that I've got that are probably have the most cushioning and all the rest of it. And they do yeah, they're really comfy. And mine are quite new because my old pair actually fell to pieces recently. I had a whole big hole in the top of them for ages. And then uh, 
blossoms out in a row and I, I think I tripped on a rock or something and you know the, the front bits that flap down after a while you need to super glue them back uh -huh. on but I never got around to it. I think that sewer or something that totally ripped the sole off so I was running the second half of this run with my sole flapping about so I had to go and buy another yeah. pair. So mine are pretty new. They still look quite <laughs> shiny and all the rest of it but um, if for any reason I go off road without those and I'm talking even like just those trails up in Abbey Moor which are like hardcore trails with just little stones and stuff you feel everything and it's like yeah jabbing in your feet and stuff and it's not very comfy but then again that's maybe maybe in a bit soft you get used to it if you didn't and, and yeah super it's like the Saucony peregrines that I've got and they're oh yeah they're the ones Probably. you can go on road as well because I'm never yeah but um but it's much easier on the trails with those than it is with uh, any other shoes I've got. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it's funny how you, you said you would never advocate a new runner or a kid. They would go, you'd advocate them getting proper running shoes because I've heard this argument before and, and some of the running coaches that were delivering courses that I've been to say that one of the guys has got this thing that has been his bonnet about kids rocking up with the wrong shoes, well not the wrong shoes, but not turning up with shoes that will give them any sort of support. And I'm like, I'm just not sure about it because, like, naturally, we run about in bare feet when we're a little, uh, and that's how yeah. I just, I'm not, I'm not saying one way, one way or the other for sure, I'm just not sure if, if it's necessary, you know, if you if you take everyone down to the park, say, you're on grass mm -hmm. and, you know, there's no stones or anything that's going to hurt your feet, you can train people to run, kids to run in that without shoes on. And they probably run better, more natural. Mm, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. The don't know. health and safety man, like, alarm bells ringing in my head. <laughs> health and safety? You're <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I've I've seen. Um, I wouldn't run about your feet. Yeah, yeah, I mean, just a I'm lucky. Yeah, my feet are pretty. My feet are alright. I mean, they're pretty normal. But I've I've I have come across like this, the foot of a child, or a teenager, even worse, on a after you know a ten mile hike when they've worn shoes that aren't really that great and it's, it's not nice and it's pretty bad. <laughs> like, yeah, I, mean, I, suppose, I suppose there's... Feet. <laughs> I, I, I suppose there are... Yeah. I've probably had more... It depends what you're doing. It really depends, depends what you're what doing. You're I've doing. probably had more blisters yeah. and stuff or more feet problems hiking than I have running as well. For some oh, reason. yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I wonder if... Socks have probably got quite a lot to do with it as well, actually. Yeah, oh, it's everything, isn't so, it? Uh, it's easier to try things with socks because they don't cost 100 quid. Uh, yeah. Try different pairs of socks and stuff. And, uh, yeah, I've tried quite a few different ones, and, and the ones that probably work best for me are ones that cost, like, three quid or something, more a mile. Um, mm -hmm. So I've got, and uh, I got a free pair at the end of a race once. I really liked them, and then I was like, oh, got a few more pairs in there. Yeah. They are all a bit knackered now. I probably need to buy some new ones, but, but yeah. Yeah. So, anyway.
reverse off of whatever the guy's name that he's, uh, <laughs> he wouldn't have needed Pegasus, that's for sure, or whatever they're called. No. Two flies. <laughs> so I can't. Whatever they are, they cost 200 quid. Um, so, uh, what are you going to wear at London Marathon then? You have I might to have to get some of those Zoom flies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might help. Maybe that's what, what I've been doing wrong all these years. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'm a Saucony girl, so I'll just I've I just bought a new pair. I actually went to I actually went to run for it after I hurt my knee and nah. got my feet measured and got everything checked again and I only own like I only have one pair of roaches, so. Thought I'd better get a new pair. They've done about so What I kind of sorting are they now? Um, I don't know. I just asked for the ones that had that were the lightest in weight and had where had the the least amount of cushioning, and had as a, a really low, um, a zero as close to zero drop as possible. Yeah. And that's whatever whatever that was. That's what I got given. So they weigh nothing. Yeah. They've got very little cushioning, and yeah, it, could be, it could a be a two mil fast, drop. Fast twitch oh. or another yeah. popular sort of a, I can't remember. Up here this fast. But yeah, they're good. I really liked it. Yeah. Like cool. I didn't even really. I didn't. It took like ten minutes. It was pretty yeah. quick. A quick purchase. Mm-hmm. Bought ten packets of honey stingers and then that was it. Off I go. <laughs> yeah, awesome. I've not been in there for a while. I am now working. Oh, they're really good. Pretty close to there, so they might get a lunchtime visit yeah. if I'm actually not running. But um, it's really easy if you know what you want. If you don't know mm-hmm. what you want or what you like or what you're used to, then it's a nightmare. I mean, I've spent years buying really cheap shoes off Sports Direct just so that I can try different things out, mm-hmm. and you know. That's that's really it. I don't think it's like you say. At the end of the day, you really can you can learn to run in anything, but just make sure there's a pair of trainers and not something or running sandals, or yeah. it's not something that's um, gonna cause you injury or gonna make running difficult for you. Yeah, and I suppose the other thing is that, um, like I said, I transitioned down. You can probably go with cushioned, really cushioned ones and run about quite a lot in them without causing yourself too much bother unless you ramp up to 20 milers from zero. But um, with, with a more minimalist thing, source idea, if that's what you want to run in, then you need to do it gradually. You know, you can't just go from either from big cushioned shoes to minimalist stuff and just be running like 50 mile weeks in them. Yeah. And start running in minimalist shoes and ramp up to like running 10Ks without, you know, any build up. You probably have to start at like 20 minutes at a time or something or couch to 5K type stuff. Um, Yeah. I think that's, I think if, I've sort of tried, whenever anyone's asked me about running shoes, I always sort of veer towards a more minimalist type stuff, but with a bit of a health warning, but. You can never get anyone who's about to start running to do anything else other than go to a running shop and get their gait analysed and all the rest of it. Whereas you can't—I don't really think you can get your gait analysed properly if you've not run yet, because you know you're learning to run and stuff. So I think you'd be, in my mind, you'd be better 
that would be a good time to get a pair of minimalist shoes, learn to run in them. Yeah, try them out. And uh, build up your muscles without all that cushioning and stuff. But yeah, no one's going to, I'm probably not going to change anyone's mind by (laughs) rattling on about. So uh, maybe a good time to move on before we spend all day speaking. Yeah. Um, (laughs) So. yeah, just a quick reminder that we have uh, <clears throat> a theme on the podcast of how running saved my life or your life. Um, in inverted commas, really, it doesn't have to have saved your life, but um, how running can really enhance your life and your well-being and all the rest of it. And we have um, brief clips at the start of each podcast that someone has sent in to us just um, describing how running has saved their life. So... This is a shout out for more people to please send us their clips because um, we're actually on the verge of running out to have uh, any clips that start off to start recycling the clips that we've got soon. So, if um, is that a cat in the background? <laughs> sorry. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry, that's just interrupting me. Very serious. <laughs> just spotted a cat in the background in Jenny's video. Uh, <laughs> if you could, and if you're a cat, you can send in a clip too. That'd be cool. Um, <laughs> Send us a clip. Um, you can send it to my email address. It's probably the easiest, which is uh, callum at explorerunning.co.uk. Callum's only got one L. Um, and really just a 60-second clip to tell us what um, how running has changed your life or saved your life, and that can be anything from helping your mental health, helping you battle obesity or addiction or coping with the loss of a loved one or any of that sort of stuff. Um heard some really good stories so far and uh, really appreciate anyone who has sent in and anyone who, who will send in a clip. That would be that'd be fantastic. So um, um, on that note, we're going to move on to <clears throat> our guest uh, for the week, which is our mutual friend of ours, Dave Gilmore, who's a local runner from the stricken area where I am. Uh, he runs for Frisbee Running Club, as do I, and Jenny has run any race with him, I think, on the ultra map. Yeah. Um, Dave's a great guy, actually. He's originally from Northern Ireland, so he's he's got a cool accent to go with it as well. And um, took up running uh, three and a half years ish ago, from pretty much a start of zero. He had done it in the past, but you know he'd he'd um, had a sedentary lifestyle, put on a bit of weight and stuff, and decided to do something about it and three and a half years on from just going out and running 5Ks, um, he's became pretty obsessed with running and I've discussed his training with him and stuff before and he's very, very over-analytical. He reads a lot and all the rest of it and he's, and he's got a really quite cool approach actually how he does his training and his racing and stuff. But he went out and ran the, um, the one-off race of the D99, which is... Named the D99 for fun, I think, because it's actually a 100-mile race. And uh, locally, in, uh, starting and finishing in Aberdeen. And that was his first 100-mile race. And he'll hear his story in a bit more detail in a second, but he, uh, he basically, mm. his training was pretty rubbish because of injury. Um, and he nearly didn't do it, but he decided to just go and give it a crack and see if he could. And you'll hear how he got on just in a moment. So... Here's Dave Gilmore. Hello, 
Okay, welcome to the podcast, Dave Gilmore. Dave is one of my mates from the Fraserburgh Running Club, and I want to get him on to chat about his um, experience running his first 100-mile race uh, a couple of weeks ago, see how he got on, how his training went, um, and how the race went, and what sort of challenges he faced and all the rest of it. But um, before we get into that, we'll get into his background in running and his background story as well. So, hi Dave, how's it going? Yeah, okay, thanks Colin. Cool. And like I've pre-warned Dave, like uh, the last couple of guests with about 30 seconds warning that we uh, like to ask um, the first question, which is give us your funniest running related story. Yeah, so it was really uh, grasping, uh, grasping, the, grasping the straw, sorry, uh, to try and think of any, any stories, but um, I guess there's a couple, a couple of stand out and um, what I guess one is uh, turning up to a, a race a whole day late, which is um, uh, which I guess is, 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 is pretty hilarious when you look back on it. So, if, um, if anybody knows the, the the Ben Nevis Hill race is really competitive to kind of uh, uh, get a place on, and I managed to get myself uh, qualified for it and uh, get a, get a place for it, and um, so well, really stoked to go there and uh, race on the Sunday um, in March or whatever month it is. I can't remember exactly what it is, but um, and uh, yeah. Realized that actually the race was on the Saturday and it was like a, a whole day. So, um, yeah, so was it a do not start? maybe not as bad as a, I was not finishing, but yeah. <laughs> so did you actually go there? No, luckily I realized, realized my mistake a few hours before, um, before the race was actually meant to start. But, um, if anybody knows the logistics from trying to get from the northeast of Scotland to the, to Fort Ah, uh, uh, so you, you <laughs> realised just on the Saturday morning. <laughs> yes. And you didn't have enough time to get there. Uh, yeah, definitely. So, ah, uh, good. Yeah, always make good soaps calendars, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that is, uh, I remember you telling me about that at the time, actually, and I was gutted for you because you've been so excited about that race as well. <laughs> but um, I suppose it's funny now that it's in the past that, and you'll go, you'll go back and do it someday, I'm sure. Yeah, lots of hope. Um, it's definitely, definitely another one on the, on, on the list to do. Yeah. Yeah, sure. yeah. I've not done that one, but it's on my list as well. Uh, I'd love to go and do it. It's cool. I've been on Ben Nevis. I've not even got the top, but I've just had a wee look about a couple of times and yeah, I've seen the videos and it looks, looks amazing. So yeah, definitely one on the list for me as well. All right. Cool. Well, thanks for that. So. As I said, we'll maybe get a look, we'll look into your background and um, how you got into running in the first place, because I think you've got a bit of a story to tell, really, because, um, yeah, you went from not being a runner at all, um, although you've told me in the past that you were really fit, because you used to be in the forces and that sort of thing, <laughs> So, uh, and then went to a sedentary lifestyle, and now you're doing ultra runs, and that's only a few years in, so yeah. maybe you just let us know how that all started. Yeah, so I guess the, the, the rebirth of me as a, as a runner, I suppose, happened about three and a half years ago now. Um, and, um, it, pr- it probably was a whole, whole year previous to that when I bought the trainers and, uh, uh the pairs of shorts to try and, you know, uh, go out and, and start running again. So yeah, like you're right, you say, you know, left, left the forces, but I played rugby for quite a, quite a few years after that. Um, was getting a wee bit old, old for that lifestyle and, um, you know, decided that I needed to uh, to do something to uh, you know um, be a bit fitter and, and, and healthier. Um, and yeah, so running was something which I which I enjoyed enjoyed uh, during my forces days and even uh, even as, uh, as as a young a young boy growing up. Um, so it just seemed like a natural natural thing to do. 
Um, but it wasn't until, um, like say three and a half years ago that I actually uh, put on the trainers for, for the first time. And it was, um, I remember quite well because it was, um, I think it was like the Wednesday or the Monday, I can't remember exactly, but the same week that Ellen Parkland actually started. Um, and, um, yeah, it was, uh, started off just by uh, running a 5k from, uh, from the lake and stricken uh, near where we live. And, uh, uh, up around Barrow Hill and I think it took me about 33 minutes at that point to, to run that and went to the park run the following, not following that very first, uh, park run in Elm, about 95 other people there at the point and ran a 29 minute 5k. Um, so yeah, not bad progress for a few, <laughs> for, a few, for, yeah. a few for a few days work. Um, but I guess the, the thing that kind of pushed me to, to, to start that journey, I guess, properly was, um, was to help me deal with the bereavement. And, uh, it was, um, it was the, the death of my, of my mother. So, um, yeah, that's a pretty, had a pretty, uh, checkered, uh, childhood and, and lifestyle up to kind of this point. And, uh, my, my mom was actually my, was actually my foster parent and she looked after me like, uh, like she was my own. And unfortunately during my time during the forces and whatever else, we've kind of lost touch a little bit and, uh, kind of just kind of been my own life. And, and, and whatever else, and, and then her just wasn't very well, and sort of like you know, you know made, made contact and was going back and forward to uh, North Ireland every kind of other week, um, you know, just in her her kind of last days. So it was like just a, such like uh, emotional overload for me um, of all of all these things, and uh, running was the one thing that uh, kind of helped me make sense of all of that. Yeah, wow. Well, um... I sort of knew a little bit with that, but I didn't know. I didn't know it was quite as uh, the running played such a key part in it for you. Um, <clears throat> I think that's something we can maybe speak a bit more about as well um, sure. later on about the running and how it's helped you a bit. So yeah, that's just to go back to the sort of more light-hearted part of that, where you you went from thirty-three minute five k to a twenty-nine minute five k in about four or five days. Um, it'd be pretty cool if you could continue that progress every few days and. Uh, <laughs> You'd have been setting up a world record in no time, but um. So how did the, how were those first couple of five k's then? What how did you feel in terms of you know your legs and your your lungs? Not that were they hurting or was oh yeah around? definitely I felt yeah. like I was dying every time I was out. Um, you know I think I think that was the great thing about parkland was always a really good way of, to measure how I was kind of progressing week on week. Uh, it it um, definitely never seemed to get any easier though, um, and I guess that's. That's true, I guess, whatever level you're at, because mm-hmm. you're always trying to push yourself to that, that next level. So, um, very, very quickly, like the, the target became 25 minutes, right? And, uh, um, yeah. you know, I was just, uh, doing, doing everything I could to try and, uh, run as fast as possible every single time I was running. Um, which, um, as, you know, as a more experienced runner, I know that doesn't really, um, make any difference whatsoever. But, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, heart, lungs, you know, everything just, uh, absolutely shredded by the end yeah, of uh, yeah. every single run. Yeah. I mean, that's, um, so I don't know what your 5k PB is now. You just said before we started that you're, you want to try and get under 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. So. Where are you now? Twenty minutes uh, or something. Twenty twenty is my best. Ah, I see. You're, you're yeah. more or less twenty minutes. So, so you can think what a thirty-three minute five k would feel like now. Sort of three and a half years on, it would just be a total piece of piss, really. Yeah, <laughs> it, be, it would be very easy. Yeah. yeah. So that um, yeah, we'll get into your your ultra stuff in a, in a wee while, but a thirty-three minute five k obviously is slower than like ten minutes a mile, and you would do. I know you do a marathon a lot quicker than that because your marathon PB is about 3.30 or so. Quicker than 3.28. Yeah. 3.28, yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
which is about quicker than eight minutes a mile. So it just shows what a difference you can make with some structured training and consistency in, in a really short space of time as well. I mean, three years is no time, really, in relative terms. I mean, we all hope to be running for decades and, and that sort of thing. So, it's, yeah, it's brilliant. And that's just what you can do if you stick at it. And, and it's funny you said that you had the trainers for about a year before. <laughs> yeah. That's probably a, a familiar story, you know, uh, sort of probably January 1st type stories as well. People going out and getting shop, uh, getting shoes and gear for going to the gym or going out running. And then, you know, it stays in the cover and never comes out or comes out once. But I'm, I'm delighted you, you did because, uh, you've achieved some pretty amazing things, to be honest. So where did you go after that then? So that you, were you just doing 5Ks for quite a while? Yeah, I was just doing 5Ks. And I remember, uh, I remember having a chat with another friend who kind of taken up running at the same time. And, uh, you know, I swore to him blind that I'd never run anything longer than a 10K ever. <laughs> um, how things have changed. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so I went from, from running those kind of, uh, those kind of 5Ks. And then the, the kind of Baker Hughes was coming up around, around that sort of time. And, um, I was like, well, yeah, I'll give, I'll give this 10k mark, mark a shot. And, um, the, the Baker, the Baker Hughes 10k was, uh, was part of that training. But so that was, that was your Baker Hughes. Was that the same year you started? Um, I think it was, it was maybe like six months after. Yeah. It was like about October. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. So you a stack at Ellen Park runs. Yeah. Um, and then, so it's 10k in 2016. Is that the first one? I think it must be. It must have been, yeah. It must have been. Yeah, because that's coming on just over, yeah. just under three years ago. Yeah, yeah. so that's a 47.30. Okay, thought it a bit quicker then. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I thought you said 49. I did. Yeah, I thought, uh, so 47.30 is, yeah. is quicker, yeah. So yeah. Um, that was 2016. The Fraser one was closer to 49. Maybe that's what you remember. Okay. It was 48. Yeah, I think, just I think the, the month was, after. Was, that's uh, a tougher route, though. Yeah, I think Fraser was one of the one of the early ones I did. And, um, I think I'd. Um, I think I'd done that with like lots of KT tape, if I remember, because I'd, uh, <laughs> I had a wee bit of um, IT band issues at, yeah, um, over, over training and, and whatever else. And, KT tape. Um, I was probably a wee bit overweight at that point as well. And, yeah. Um, yeah, just, uh, just trying to get around. So you're, um, I was going to say there, you distract me with KT tape. I was <laughs> thinking about cracking a joke about you might as well use cell tape. Which, <laughs> uh, which that stuff works. Um, so yeah, no, you mentioned you're, you might have been a bit overweight. So, and that was something I meant to ask you right at the start. So you've lost heaps of weight, haven't you? Yeah. So yeah. I, I started out the run journey at around a hundred kilos. Um, not really sure what that was in old money. Yeah. Over 16 half stone then. Yeah. You're quite tall. So it's. Yeah. I'm quite tall. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was, um, 15 stone 10. And yeah, I've kind of, uh, 85, uh, depending on where I am. Um, I always had this really mad goal of trying to get the 70, 70 or something. <laughs> like, I just felt that that was like a perfect racing day or whatever, yeah. but, uh, yeah, pretty, pretty happy. Obviously, you know, went from wearing quite large clothing to, yeah, uh, yeah. me gym and all that kind of stuff, feeling a bit, a bit better physically about, about, yeah. about myself. And, yeah, yeah. Really and that's a f- familiar story with people who've gone consistently, you know, I mean, I, I'm probably fairly between a stone and a half to two stone lighter than I was before I started running. Coming down a little bit, but you know, I, I, I was over 12 stone, whatever that is in kilos, I have no idea. And then 
you know, I, I sort of tend to float around about 10 to 10 and a half stone and that's just through consistent running. My diet isn't very good actually. It should be better. But that's another thing I was going to ask about as well. You, you've changed your diet a yeah. bit, haven't you? Yeah. Um, so that was one of the things I was really conscious of at the start was, um, so it's always the same that I have even in, in working life that if you, um, don't see, don't see, don't do something different, you'll never get a different result, right? So you yeah. got to change, you got to change something. So, um, I went, I went, uh, went through a few different phases of, of, uh, eating patterns and, uh, actually some of those aren't, um, I'm not going to advocate some of them because they're actually, actually pretty unhealthy. Okay. Um, and actually was under eating quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in those early days of where I was really trying to focus on getting that, you know, probably just too laser focused on, you know, trying to get that weight down yeah. and, and, um, you know, that wasn't really what it was about. And, you know, it really just started like, uh, being really restrictive in my diet, eating, uh, what, you know, people would call probably clean eating habits, things like that. Um, and yeah, it was actually feeling quite hungry all the time. It was probably not really, you know, giving my body enough energy to actually complete the training recover properly from, mm-hmm. from what I was doing. Um, and then uh, as I started reading more about, about running and especially when I was looking at ultra distances about what, what other athletes do. There's quite a lot of vegan runners about, so I thought, well, that, that sounds like a really good plan. So, yeah, took up a <laughs> took up a vegan lifestyle for a while, and um, and uh, I've, I've since I've since kind of uh, ditched that off as well. And, and I predominantly predominantly eat plants and and, and a vegetarian kind of diet mm-hmm. at the minute, and uh, with a little bit of fish and, and things like that. At the minute, but, yeah, that's, yeah. That's yeah. I mean, that's one thing I w- I'd be interested in doing is is changing my diet to, to eat less meat. I'm not sure if I'd ever. I, I, to be honest, I probably would, I probably would do it. Um, but I know for a fact my wife would be having no interest in it at all. So it's quite difficult to, to just have your own separate diet, I suppose. I mean, if I was going to be anything like an elite athlete or something, you know, it would be different. But as an everyday sort of club runner, um, it's difficult to justify, um, when the rest of your household isn't doing it. So, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've always sort of go through phases of trying. To be healthier, and you know, I blame a busy lifestyle, on it and it's a bit of an excuse. I think a lot of us use, but um, and young kids and all that stuff, and it's you know tricky. But I think my diet's not horrendous, but it could be definitely could be better. And um, you know, I'm always interested in things. I think I remember you used to tell me in one run we were on that um, you make your own snacks as well yeah. for for taking with you on on long runs and and races and stuff. Which is again, I've not done any long distance stuff beyond the marathon so you know i've only ever used gels and i know they're horrendous but you know they do the job for for running a marathon but once you get along with that you need some real food and it what sort of what sort of stuff are you making and yeah so um to give you a typical kind of what i would have with me on a on a a long beach run i mean the the savior of the day for me is uh potatoes um which sounds a bit mad you know carrying around some potatoes with you on a run but uh, they pack a lot of nutritional value for mm-hmm. the, for the size and weight of them. Um, so that's a, that's a really good go-to for, for, for me, you know, some just small boiled baby, baby potatoes. Um, they're, you know, they're just so versatile and you can, you can, uh, easily transport them around. Um, and supplement those with things like, um, you know, like, uh, peanut butter and, um, oats and things like that. And they can, things like, you know, energy balls and so forth. Yeah. Um, and then kind of a range from that of, um, you get these pouches of pureed fruit, which you might remember probably giving to your, your children when they're a bit, a bit older. So yeah, um, those are really good for really 
quick, fast dissolving energy, uh, okay. energy sources. Um, and then supplement those with, uh, like raw kind of natural kind of, um, bars, which you can pick up on album for, mm-hmm. you know, too good for a pack of five. So, you know, nothing too mental, but just really good. Yeah. Uh, really low, uh, the key, I guess, for, for those kind of businesses to have things which aren't going to upset your, your gut yeah. too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. You've got a story about that, don't you? <laughs> yeah. <it was> my, <laughs> uh, yeah. It was my first ever attempt at an ultra marathon. Um, Space Highway Ultra, um, and uh, that was my, my first foray into in, into ultra marathon running. So thirty six and a half miles, longest I'd, I'd ran before then was uh, Sterling Marathon, I believe. Um, the first year we didn't had all the loops. If anybody did that, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll understand the pain. Uh, <laughs> um, and thought, you know, it's, it's ten miles more. You know, I can absolutely smash it out and uh, DNF. Unfortunately, twenty seven miles because. As I was going over, um, I think it was, uh, Ben again, I think is the, is the hill that's, that's there. And they've got the, what they call the Middle Earth checkpoint, um, okay. there. Um, <laughs> and n- even normally as a, as a, as a normal day kind of eating habits, you know, I don't drink fizzy juice or whatever. And I had this really great idea at that checkpoint that, you know, oh yeah, I'll smash on Coke. That will make me feel really good. Um, Coca, really, Coca-Cola. Yeah. 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 Coke. Coke, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> That, that, that'll, um, that, that'll sort me right out. And, uh, lo and behold, I spent the next uh, kind of six miles vomiting, um, until I got to the 27 mile checkpoint and, um, DNF there. So, yeah. Um, and did, am I right in thinking they pulled you out of the race rather than, yeah, so they were, I mean, they were worried just about, um, you know, various different medical side effects of, yeah. um, from not having, you know, past urine for so long. And, yeah. Um, you know, vomiting everything that was coming up. So yeah, yeah. So, so right on good. Yeah, I mean, we we hear from plenty of ultra runners that drinking Coca Cola is something that they actually do yeah. the latter part of these races. But you've obviously got to have done it, practiced yeah. it. Your tummy's got to be used to it and all the rest of it. And yours, if you don't drink it anyway, you're never going to handle that at, at that point of a of a race. You know, you imagine how you feel at the end of a marathon. That's where you were, basically. Yeah. And then you, you tanned a can of Coke, which you probably hadn't had for years. And, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's always that old adage, you know, people always say, don't try anything new. Yeah. Obviously, they haven't done the training. And, uh, I definitely went that lesson hard. Yeah. No, I mean, I remember, I remember hearing about that as well. I was, I was gutted for you because I knew you were excited about that race and, and you, your training had all gone pretty well. Yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So a lesson learned though. And, and yeah, I'm sure you'll never do that again. You never try anything new, let alone. Busy drinks that you never do on an everyday basis, but yeah, you're you've told me about that um, energy ball thing you've made before, and I, I think that's sounds so simple. Some boiled potatoes, some peanut butter, and some oats mushed up together, and it sounds very digestible. And yeah. you know, it's a slow release energy that you're going to get from that as well. So, um, as I mentioned on the podcast, the last episode of the podcast, we're going to be doing this twelve hour challenge up and down Mormon Hill. I was actually. Did the eight mile of that today. So it's going to be up and down that eight mile route for 12 hours. See how much, see how far we can go. I think, uh, Dave is probably going to join us in that as well. Yep. He was asking about a 24 hour version of it as well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, we'll, uh, I think the first time it'll be a 12 hour one. But, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll, um, I don't think I'm going to have to carry any food with me probably because we'll be coming back to the same bit every eight miles. So we'll probably have a van loaded up with stuff, but that's something that we'll, uh, 
we'll definitely look into doing. So I'll I'll try that though on, on trainer runs and stuff because that sounds way better than energy gels and yeah, absolutely. absolutely. It's just a case of you know, um, you know, I think as runners we're very focused on training our our, our bodies and mm-hmm. lungs and cardiovascular and, and what people I guess forget is that you know our digestive system is also just an organ which could be trained like everything, mm-hmm. like everything yeah. else so yeah uh, and if anybody does want to try that you know if you're going for a run longer than an hour just take something with you and after the hour just just eat on it and you know those you'll probably feel quite nauseous doing that in the mm-hmm. first few times and you know, just, just get used to that yeah and, yeah yeah I mean, that's something i'm hoping to do at some point i mean it's not time to do that yet but during the summer like the route i just did today but repeat it you know, do it two, three times in a trainer run, or whatever, maybe four times. Um, just have stuff in my car or something, and, and just uh, try it, and then hopefully not puke on the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't be drinking any coke, I don't think. No. But, uh, mm. Yeah, water and uh, or I don't know. Do you use energy drinks or? Uh, so I tend to use Active Root now, which is oh, like okay. a natural kind of ginger based drink yeah, with yeah. Uh, some electrolytes and. Um, and so that's what I, I used exclusively for like the likes of Glenmore 24 mm-hmm. and um, and the, the D99 which we're going to talk about a bit later so um, that tends to be what I, what I consume now. yeah I've, I've, um, this guy George is not runs that company I've got to yeah. I'm try and contact him to see if he's going to provide us with some okay. for, for the 12 hour thing so yeah I've got his business card alright oh, okay yeah yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I've heard him talking on the podcast before and he sounds like a great guy actually so I'm going to give him a shout um, if he's listening, doubtful, but <laughs> he might be. Uh, shout. Um, okay, so yeah, a bit of digression there. Um, but let's talk about. So we're talking about twenty sixteen. There was that when you did your first marathon, twenty sixteen, or was it? Uh, no, I didn't. I don't think I did my first marathon. Whichever year the first Sterling marathon was, so was that twenty seventeen? Must be twenty seventeen. I think, yeah, because that was so we're in the third year of that now. Uh, I think. Yeah, I'll be third year. So let's have a look. So I think, uh, the yeah, first of May 17, yeah. Yeah, so it was the first, uh, the first story marathon that had those really silly boots. <laughs> um, yeah. I think, um, you'll be able to correct me. I think the time was around 3.34. Quicker than that, Dave. 3.33. 3.33, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, first attempt, that's pretty good. My first attempt at marathon was a 4.48. Okay. <laughs> so, not too bad. Then. I did, I did zero training, but, uh, yeah, more or less, you know, training, but yeah, 448 was my first attempt. All I wanted to do was under five, so I was, I was quite happy with that. And that was many moons ago. Um, but yeah, you've done a couple of marathons, haven't you? Because you did Yeah, that was 17. I did that one as well. So we were there the same day. Yeah, that's right. Is that the only two you've done? That's the only two, Mark. Uh, yeah, the only two full distance uh, road marathons I've done. I've done uh, two other marathons, but those are both trail. Um, oh, right, okay. So you... you some of the listeners will probably have done and heard of Fetteress with Real yeah, Marathon. So, yeah. um, this year was actually half an hour slower than the year before, which is quite impressive considering the year before it was snowing and ice cream, uh, <laughs> and actually taking a fall. So, yeah, so, uh, um, good time on there, the way. That's, yeah. uh, cause I've not done it. Um, I've, I've just looked at sort of Strava and that sort of thing, and it looks like pretty fun. Um, so yeah, 359 is a good one. So yeah, first, so 2017, you did two marathons and then, that same year you did your space side must have been was attempt, it? Yeah. Attempt yeah. Space yeah, yeah. So <laughs> um I can't see it on there actually. Oh there yeah, it is, yeah. yeah it is, yeah. I think it gave me official finish time of six hours, six and a half hours. 
Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I wasn't giving you an official time. I have no idea. I <laughs> <laughs> will take it, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It doesn't say DNF. It says yeah. 6.39. Yeah. So, yeah, so, you, so that was your first foray into the ultra world. And then last year, you did, I can see on here, you did Glen Ogle and, yeah. the, and the D33. So mm-hmm. we're talking about the D33 on the last episode because of the D99, which happened mm-hmm. uh, this year, which we'll speak about in a minute. So the D, oh man, that's agonizing. D33, you got five hours and 58 seconds. Yep. <laughs> unfinished business there for next year for sure. Yeah. yeah, I might join you next year there actually. We'll see yeah. if you're going. And then Glen Ogle, 33, 525. So that was the one where you're, you didn't get the training in you were hoping for or something. Was it Glen Ogle? Um, yeah. So Glen Ogle's near the latter end of the year. So yeah. Um, in fact, you know, the whole of the whole of that the whole of that year was kind of um, you know, a wee bit a wee bit fault with training. So it, um, I ran the D thirty three and that was meant to be the precursor to uh, completing the Hydron Fling. Um oh, but yeah. uh, I made a I made a grave mistake a few, like a week after or even maybe even a day after D thirty three of you know thinking speed training was a good idea. <laughs> um it wasn't uh, so yeah. i ended up, ended up with uh some niggles which prevented me from then going on and taking the, the highland yeah thing um but, but then completed the, completed the glen lion ultra marathon yeah just, i just uh, got that was, here. just what you know it's, it's a week after or two weeks after i think thing. Mm-hmm. um so was it that i mean i was just the most impressive thing but that run is i think it was a reasonably good time and um I think the thing I was most impressed by was I wasn't feeling any signs of this injury at all. So I was like really stoked to yeah, just yeah. around around and do that. Yeah, and that's only two months after, less than two months after the D thirty three as yeah. well. So yeah, and then you went on and did the um, the Glen Ogle, and then it was all about D ninety nine after that. So I remember you telling me we were, I think we were out running. I can't remember where we were, and. You got the news that you'd been accepted onto the um, West Highland Way. That's right. Yeah. Were we out for a run that day? I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think it was the week before we we went for a run with uh, your your co-host Jenny Jenny Jenkins and uh, Callum uh, up around Mormont Hill. Yeah, yeah. Like that. so right. You told just, me you'd got in. Yeah, yeah. But so. then you weren't able to go. So not able to go. Another, another one of your big <laughs> races you've missed for yeah. for some reason, but. Um, but then this D99 came up, which is a 100-mile race. Um, starts and finishes in Aberdeen, and it's a one-off, actually. So I didn't actually realize it was one-off. Not that I'd have entered it, but, <laughs> you know, I was kind of thinking I maybe we'd have a go at next year, perhaps, or the year after or something. But, yeah, it's just a one-off because it was a 10-year anniversary of this D33 race, which I have attempted once before many years ago, and it took me a very long time. But... um yeah, you, you go along the old um, D side way, funnily enough, um, railway line to Bankray and turn around and come back. That's a D33, um, 33 mile race. But the D99, you carry on up to uh, Ballater and do it's about a 10 mile roundabout Ballater mm-hmm. or so. And then. Yeah, so there's a couple of diversions and stuff the D side way. Oh, yeah. Right. So once we once you get to Bankray, you come out there and. Out of the, the the park there, and you uh, head up into Scotty Woods Car Park, um, and then ascend uh, ascend Scotty up to the up to the Folly, um, which is I think uh, Dodd and Karen, who organised this race, probably picked the steepest uh, ascent that. up there. <laughs> um, so that was it. It was actually it was actually quite refreshing because after that point, you know, you're, you're kind of 18, 19 miles into the race, so 
um, which was all pretty flat up until that point. Yeah. So it was really good just to switch into those big glute muscles mm-hmm. and, 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 uh, you know, kind of, uh, stomp your way up to the top of the folly. And it was a beautifully clear day on Friday, um, when we started the race and we would see to see, see for miles. And there was a guy up there who spent, uh, the whole day, a guy called, uh, his nickname's Chip, I think. Um, <laughs> And it, yeah, he, he definitely looked better that morning than he did when I seen him on Saturday morning, that's for sure. But, um, yeah, he was checking runners in. That's, that's my, so you did the whole race. <laughs> the whole race, oh, yeah. Man. Um, so yeah, so it was really, it's the first time I've ever been up Scalby Hill. Aye, um, okay. and it was just, it was just really impressive. Yeah, just, I was only up at once actually. And, uh, uh, yeah, it was a queer day when I was up and it was, yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. really, really nice. So, so you set off, um, then you set off in the morning. It was nine, it was nine in the morning. Nine a.m. in the morning. Yes, yeah. so you got a whole day running through that sort of yeah. nice countryside, nice weather and everything. But um, so we'll maybe take a step back. So you'd signed up for this hundred mile race whenever you signed up for it. Yeah. Um, but you got injured, didn't you? Yeah, in, I got in injured. Up, so um, I'm not sure if I should really say how the injury happened or not. But, I think um, you definitely should. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Um, so yeah, my training had been going pretty well pre-Christmas and uh, had a really good, uh, solid kind of block of kind of, I guess, pace building and really good, uh, high mileage weeks and, and things like that. And then, uh, every, every Christmas, New Year, myself and uh, family would have more for kind of New Year. And, um, of course, uh, you have a few drinks and, uh, we play some, some games, obviously, as, as everybody else does, but, um, I'm sure some some of your listeners will have uh, played the cereal box game before, which is essentially you put a cereal box on the on the on the ground. You have to pick it up with your teeth uh, without you know placing your hands on the on, on the floor, and uh, then the box gets smaller every time. So, um, you know, I, I guess runners, you know, traditionally are really known to be very flexible, um, and uh, a lot of my, my mother-in-law in particular is incredibly flexible, and is also you know about three feet shorter than me, so you know a bit closer to the floor anyway. <laughs> uh, but there was absolutely no way I was letting her win. Um, so, <laughs> so yeah, in the process of uh, not letting her win, I I tore uh, uh, tore part of the the shaft of my groin, and. Uh, <laughs> Um, didn't actually realize that I had done that much damage until, until probably a few, a few weeks later. I went and ran the, the Avonmore Park on the day after and, uh, oh, I'd run, uh, a pretty, pretty decent time, but, um, there and, um, you know, had run the phrase for a half marathon course just as a training run and about one hour 40 just as a training run, yeah. like a few weeks afterwards, but it just progressively got worse all yeah. the time, so. Um, oh, yeah, this is the time where the competitive nature of uh, a runner <laughs> doesn't really go well. Yeah, I, I've never partaken in that game because I know <laughs> I'd be hopeless at it, but I would be competitive as well. Um, I've seen, yeah, one time I've actually watched a game of that taking place in our friend's house. It was probably a New Year-ish kind of thing as well. I think we just got to use, uh, our mate's house in New Year, like on the first or second, most years for a, for a wee while. And, Similar group of folk go along, but we've got a friend who's a yoga instructor. And, uh, so she was obviously amazing at it. But there was one other girl who was there. I don't even know who she is. She was supposed to be a friend of a friend, but she didn't look like the kind of person who'd be good at it. <laughs> but she was amazing. They had the, the box right. They had cut all the sides off the box by the time they finished. Wow. We could both get right down to the floor and there was no winner. <laughs> just, yeah, so, and, and there were no torn uh, muscles either. <laughs> as far as I'm aware, but yeah. 
So, um, yeah, that was uh, quite incredible. I, I can touch my toes, but I'm not sure. I can't touch my toes with my teeth. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so that was a bit unfortunate. So that was, um, so the race was in March. Yeah. I was just, uh, I'm trying to find the date here. The, yeah, two weeks ago, 15th of March. Yeah. And that was you injured and struggling in January. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And you didn't do an awful lot of running really between January and March, did you? Not a massive amount. So I tried to kind of um, self-manage the injury and uh, you know, spent a few weeks uh, stretching and doing doing all that kind of stuff and just uh, really, really trying to go for the back of it. It just was never really going away. So at that point, I had to admit defeat and go and see the physio who, uh, who sorted me out and... Um, even still after that, it was still still quite painful to run, and it was it was really just because I was having to change like my kind of you know, natural rhythm that I was running with, and you know, it was kind of having to hold back, and it just and it, it was just causing then other issues. Yeah, so, and then getting like this and whatever else. So um, yeah, I spent that time just trying to work as much on some strength routines on the roll machine, stack bike, walking. Um, and also lots and lots of stretching to try and even get the, the groin back to, back to normal. And it wasn't really until the, the Wednesday before the race that I felt no pain. <laughs> so, um, just in time, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, uh, I mean, that's, yeah, that's one thing for like a 10k race or something that yeah. it's your first hundred miler. You also, I mean, you, you've run plenty of miles over the last few years. So your base is always going to be okay, but. Um, the consistency just, I mean, well, last year you had a few issues as well. So your, your, your overall sort of whole year building into that 100 miler probably hasn't been ideal by any stretch of imagination. So, um, I think a few weeks beforehand, I think you told me that you were, well, the, the 100 miler was in jeopardy really. You weren't sure if you're going to do it. Yeah. But, um, then you decided you were just going to go and give it a go and see how it went basically and see if you got to the end. And, um, so yeah, I was, you had a, the, the tracker thing, um, which I was watching, not for the full hundred miles, I will add, but, <laughs> I, you know, I was checking in on it every now and again. And I was just hoping that you were still going basically, because I wasn't sure if you were going to make it to the end. So maybe you could, um, just give us a, a run through of what that experience was like, because, you know, many people wouldn't have run a hundred miles before, wouldn't have run more than a marathon even, or, some people wouldn't have run a marathon. So, <clears throat> how how different is it? Was that as an experience compared to say your first uh, first marathon experience? Yeah. So I mean, it's I think the the thing firstly to, I guess to remember about ultra marathons and especially these like uh, middle to to long distance ultra marathons is that nobody actually really cares about the time. There will be some people who do, but um, for most, it's uh, it's a case of I guess being out there and, and enjoying that experience together. But the the mentality for me, I suppose, was uh, run as much as possible for as long as possible, and uh, then walk the rest. So that was kind of the the, the mentality that I went into the into the race with, and I guess I'd set myself up with these like kind of mini goals of you know there's a few checkpoints along the way, and you kind of get set yourself these kind of mini targets of, of where you want to be. Um and uh, the the first the first big checkpoint uh, along the way was around twenty nine miles from Cardinal Needle. And um 
I've made the mistake of not not carrying two water bottles because I hadn't expected it to be too warm. So at that point, I was was feeling pretty thirsty. But uh, even getting to there, I was like, I was feeling still pretty good, you know, 30 miles in, still running really well, um, and and cracking on. And, you know, the target then was, right, yeah, I'd got there probably a full hour before I kind of expected to, which was um, was really good. And I was like, right, well, the next target then is to hit Palatir before it gets dark. So uh, before 6 p.m. Or just like mm-hmm. um, and yeah, it was was still really surprised actually being running as as well as it was, and uh, you know, I kind of ran the whole thing by um, I just looking at my heart rate the whole way. Okay. As I was approaching that kind of balance, I was like trying to spike it a lot more and having to do a bit of walking and just to try and try and you know conserve the energy for the latter part of the race, and that was more just probably down to the dehydration once a. Once I got to that uh, checkpoint, then then topped up and whatever. But it was a uh, quite quite unreal to get to the forty-four-ish mile mark uh, and halfway and realize that um, people like Will Stewart, who I think was the eventual person who finished second, had already almost completed the eleven-mile loop and then gone. So <laughs> it was that it was that realization of. Um, uh, how far back in the morning, yeah, places. yeah. Just just to reflect on that a little bit. So I, I mentioned that I did the D thirty three, and just to give us a, a very short background in my my attempt at that. So I signed up for a few races that year. It was twenty twelve to to raise money for a local charity. And the races added up to hundred miles, so you know it was over four different races. But I was doing the D thirty three first in that year, and I had run like literally less than 10 times that year before it and my longest was about 12 miles and you know I was able to run 12 miles without stopping that was kind of a stretch of it and I was doing this 33 mile thing which is just crazy I can't believe looking back that I did it but um, I remember running and getting to about 12 miles and my legs starting to pack in a little bit already but you know feeling like this is hard and not even halfway and the, the the weed runner coming back the other way. So he was like <laughs> um eight miles ahead of me or something yeah. like that. He was at about twenty miles and I was at twelve. And and he was moving so fast I couldn't believe a guy could run that fast for that long. I was just like check him out. And he, I don't know what his time was. It was like it was under four hours, three forty five or something for the thirty three, you know, which doesn't sound that incredibly quick to me anymore. But at the time I saw him going, I was like, Whoa, that, that dude is amazing yeah. and I was thinking, Fuck it's so long to go. <laughs> so, uh, so it probably kind of similar, but yeah, not the same. Although maybe maybe mentally it would have been the same for me, the sort of type of runner I was at the time, just thinking, Jesus, I've got so far to go here. And um, yeah, so sorry, I just uh, interrupted your story there. But I thought it was kind of, yeah, you can, in, in things like these, like the Edinburgh Marathon and stuff like that, where you get out and back, yeah. where you see the lead runners coming the other way and, and you know, those guys are elites. But, um, but everybody who's not in the first, maybe, I don't know, top 20 or 30 in Edinburgh Marathon will see people coming back the other way at some point and uh, it can be quite inspiring but it can also be a little bit demoralizing you know as well so and depending on how you're feeling but um, but yeah so you got there to the checkpoint and so what sort of so you're going by heart rate yeah um, but what sort of pace were you actually running Um, so I think that in that early uh, early days let me just uh, the early pace was actually pretty reasonable um, and um, just to check, so you'll have to excuse me because I do everything in kilometers. So, um, well, I'll, most, I'll, I'll, I'll look but, you up <laughs> and I'm on miles. Well, so. <laughs> um, I'm not sure whether 
other you know, after Brexit on the machines. Well, I think I think you're going to have to. <laughs> so so kind of averaging around the six minute kilometer mark, um, you know, for, for that first uh, first little bit, and um, you know, just keeping keeping a good eye on that, and then that's uh, quite easy. That's about ten minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, it was just really nice, easy, you know, kind of one forty five. Kind of beats per minute, kind of heart rate. But, yeah. yeah, like your your title D ninety nine Ultra ruined. Ruined. Yeah, <laughs> that's how it felt. Yeah, I can. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, and and you burned thirteen thousand calories according apparently, to yeah, Jesus. yeah. Apparently, if I could do that every week, then <laughs> I would. Uh, You'd be hitting that target weight you were hoping yeah, for. Definitely, definitely. So yeah, yeah. Flicking through that in in miles. So I mean, you're you're hitting ten minute mile pace for the first sort of. 17 miles or quicker mm-hmm. and then yeah it kind of varies a little bit but your average is probably still sitting around 10 11 minute miles till you get to halfway i'd say um roughly yeah so that's yeah i'm, I'm really interested in this i was thinking about this today whilst i was out running actually because i was i was contemplating how fast i should be running up down that mormont hill um later in the year so your easy pace if you're out running in an easy run is going to be quicker than that yeah absolutely um, a good bit quicker. I mean, your your marathon pace, as we said, is that that your fastest marathon is quicker than eight minutes a mile. Um, whatever that equates to, five minutes a k or so. So, um, you're heading out there. Obviously, you've got a long way to go, so you need to. That's why you're using your heart rate, presumably, rather than your um, pace per mile or kilometer. But, um, so when you do these really long runs, if you're you've got a heart rate in mind that you know that you should be sticking to. Does your pace just gradually slow down if you yeah. stick to the same heart? That's just basically what happens. Yeah. So yeah. it's just totally, totally uh, variable. So, um, yeah, as you get longer into the race, then you eventually slow down. Yeah. Um, and what I find through experience that if you can, uh, start off with those, uh, really good intentions of, of, you know, sticking to the plan. Um, you can extend the time that you can actually maintain a really decent amount of pace, and uh, you get longer, longer into the into the race. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't sure how that worked. I mean, I've kind of spoke spoke about heart rate and stuff before, and obviously, like, if you run a marathon or a half marathon or anything, and you've got heart, and you you run by heart rate or shorter, your ten k's, people do it as well. You basically, if you get it right, you'll be maintaining that all the way through, but your right. pace will be pretty much the same all the way through and you'll run a good race but um but yeah so in, in these longer different and i wasn't sure how that worked actually but that's uh yeah that's interesting so it will vary obviously in train so you know yeah, so yeah, as, yeah. as we're getting into like the, the 11 mile loop you know, it's yeah. incredibly hilly yeah um so you know to maintain that kind of heart rate you know a lot of those climbs were kind of enforced kind of hikes or yeah as yeah as possible but yeah, yeah and, and you're hiking those those climbs just to keep your heart rate yeah within the, the limit yeah, i mean i i spent a wee while um part of this uh HADD training, is it that way you call it? Some guy came up with this uh, concept of heart rate training, which I think you maybe have done yourself. But um, and I think I maybe had my heart rate a little bit wrong. You know, I had to do proper tests and stuff. But I remember like you know coming to an incline and just having to walk. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and it was just a normal. I would normally just jog up that incline. But um, if I wanted to stick to the heart rate I was going for, you just have to walk. So. Um, yeah, again, presumably the longer you get into these races, then every little incline probably is just is slowing you down to walk. And 
as you get, obviously it's different if you're at the stage where your training hasn't been great, so the, the latter part of the 100 miler you're probably having to walk a fair bit anyway, but um, you reckon if you were you know, in, in better shape and better trained for it, that you could, in maybe say the last 20 miles, just forget about the heart rate and just run what you feel like running or um, I think that last twenty miles doing that would be probably quite difficult. Um, you know, because you've you know you've probably endured quite a lot of time there. Um, but certainly maybe the last ten, yeah, okay. uh, maybe eight to ten miles, yeah, yeah definitely. Um, you know, open open my legs a little bit, and, yeah, and, and you know just uh, go go health or whatever, definitely. Yeah, your adrenaline will help a bit as well, yeah. I suppose, and as long as you're not on the verge of collapse, which you know you could very well be. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so that was the first half and you were running well and mm-hmm. then you had that 11 mile. Is that followed with like 10 mile ballot or race roughly? I, I'm not sure. I must confess I've never done that ah, okay. ballot or race, but it, it essentially, uh, come out of battle or over the, the, the bridge, over the little bridge and you head up straight into this, uh, woodland. And, uh, oh, uh, please forgive me because I've remember, for, since forgotten all the names of the hills, but, um, started off right quite, quite gently in this nice, Pine Forest Trail, I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. bonus, brilliant. This is this is great. I'll be, uh, <laughs> I'll be, I'll be grand with this. And then uh, Dodd and Karen, being sadistic people that they are, then very quickly turned you right off of this trail and basically up, um, you know, a bit of deforested uh, hill, which is you know, probably more like you find animals climbing up that way, mm-hmm. um, up up to the top and. Um, and then yeah, there was a quite a quite a steep then descent. Down off, okay. down off of there, off the first, the first hill, and then along along some roadside, and then uh, anti-clockwise around this uh, really nice uh, forest, which which followed the followed the river. Um, so that was really quite nice. It was like uh, it felt quite, um, quite nice to run just to just to get. Yeah, it's pro- probably sounds like it's beside the ten mile races, but it's up mostly on mostly on the road. The yeah. Ten mile races, okay, there's a little bit you go through the woods. Um, but that was more, I think, because of some sort of bridge collapsed and that okay. floods a few years ago. There's a reroute through the woods and then you, you come, you do come back through the woods, but it's more like on a hardcore kind of road. Mm. It's not, it's not trail. Um, so it's probably in the same location, but, um, yeah. not the actual same route, but so you must have been doing that in the dark then, were you? Yeah. So yeah. out there, out there on head horses and, uh, which was, which was fine, it was quite even warm and things like that, so it was, it was pretty good. And, um, and then the, the kind of, uh, the last hill I think is, uh, quite dark, is the last okay. hill, so uh, you go back through the, the, the Battle Town itself and then up over Craig Dark, and, and I think it's pretty, pretty familiar with a lot of people, and yeah, I think if the, if the Queen could ever mandate that a hill ever gets flattened, it should probably be that one. So it was just, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the climb up to the top was actually really nice and that kind of zigzag with the contours, which made it really quite easy. Um, but the descent was just absolutely shocking. Yeah. The the, nothing just descending was really bad. I think there's a lot of people who, who, who probably, you know, ended their race there with, oh, uh, yeah. you know, Falls and mm-hmm. okay, on, on so, so it's just straight down then, was it? Just yeah, pretty, down bit? pretty much, yeah, Aye, okay. pretty much. which is hard at, hard at the best of times, but sort of 55 60 miles in, yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, so what sort of state were you in at that point then? Were you still moving well? Yeah, I was still feeling pretty good, um, still able to, to run quite a bit, and um, 
know, walk, walk what I needed to, and, uh, you know, knew that I was getting back to the checkpoint where I had already planned to change all of my clothing and, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, uh, take on some, some food and some porridge and things like that. So I ended up, uh, I had planned only spend 30 minutes at the halfway checkpoint on the way out. I actually ended up spending a whole hour there because it was like, um, just started chatting people and whatever <laughs> else, but I knew I had loads of time to go back yeah, to the finish. Yeah, so yeah. It's, uh, it's just, just kind of like trying to soak up that moment. Yeah. Enjoy. Just enjoy it, yeah, because cause I think, yeah, I mean, you said, you know, most folk aren't that worried about the time when you come to these races, but I think probably even more so for you, given that, you know, your training hadn't gone so well, so you maybe lost the competitiveness around, you know, a lot of people maybe want to do a sub 24, for example, yep. at, at, in a 100 miler, but um, you'd just forgotten all about that, so you, yeah, as long as you're back, the cutoff was 31. Was 31 hours, yeah. was quite generous, yeah. Yeah, so... So then you go back to the checkpoint again, and, and so was it the first time you were there. You spent an hour there, or second time, second right? time you spent yeah. an hour. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask you how difficult was it to get out of there. That sounds like <laughs> you took double the time. But maybe, maybe not because you were struggling. Uh, yeah, just I, took, you were, I took double the time, and I just uh, I just spent that time uh, sort of pulled blisters out my feet, and um, you know did a full full coping change. Took the time to get some hot porridge into me as well yeah. as some hot food, and then. I've seen a few people who knew, like, uh, Richie Massa from Peterhead and, uh, a few other runners who, who decided that they didn't want to continue the race. Mm-hmm. So, um, I was just chatting to them about what their experiences were, were like and trying to, you know, kind of encourage them to get kind of back out there, you know, with those time left. So yeah, just really yeah. just trying all I could to, to, to get them back out and, you know, uh, come back with me. So, um, you know, it was just, yeah, it was kind of unintentional, but it was, it was nice. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not, I mean, an extra 30 minutes yeah. in, a, in a 100 mile or you know, not, unless you're trying to win it, doesn't really matter, does it? No, so, it really doesn't. Um, yeah. And so, anyway, back then, obviously you've got, uh, what was it, 60 miles at that point? Or so, at that point, 55. Yeah. So, you've still got 45 to go. Only 45. If, yeah. Only 45 <laughs> to go, less than halfway, and yeah. particularly if you don't get lost or anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, um, so that first half sounds like, you know, could have probably gone as well as it could have. Yeah. Um, given, given, uh, the training and all this that you're probably quite amazed at yourself and how it had gone. So how, how different or similar was it was the second half? Yeah. So second half was, was pretty good probably until 29 miles to go. So, okay. um, so yeah, got to, got to Concordial Neal in pretty good shape and, uh, ran with uh, something called Alan Cormac for a little while mm-hmm. as, as we approached the Concordant Deal. And for anybody who knows Alan's <laughs> history, he had, uh, the previous week, uh, ran 200 miles in a, in a, in a one mile long tunnel. So, um, it was pretty amazing to see and see him, see him there. So, uh, talk about inspiration. You can't really get much better than that. So, um, yeah, so him and I kind of ran into that, uh, checkpoint together. Um, and this is kind of, I guess, where things really, uh, kind of, Go a wee bit wrong for me, and um, it all it already started with uh, starting to get some some issues on the feet, um, and uh, once they start to go, then um, you know you're, you're kind of in trouble. So the the, the socks were set, set out change, and about or um, started giving me this quite big blister on the ball of my foot. So it was actually really um, really quite difficult to put the pressure on it as, as it was going along. So it was kind of affecting how it was moving. So and would you have benefited by putting your bank card back in your shoe? 
yeah, I kind of <laughs> missed that bit out, right? Uh, <laughs> I just forgot so, that. <laughs> um, yeah, that probably could have equally as, uh, equally as made its way into the first part of this podcast as the, as the Ben Nevis story. But yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd stored my, my bank card somewhere safe the night before and my excitement to pack my halfway drop bag and, and, and get all my stuff ready for, for, for racing. You know, threw the shoes on and, and whatever else. And I, was, I remember looking at the start, I was like, I'm really, really sure I brought my bank card in case, you know, I need to get a bus home or, uh-huh. you know, want to stop at Chippy or something, you know, <laughs> or the pub on the way back or something. Um, and, uh, yeah, while I was changing my shoes at the, at the, the halfway point, I found my bank card in my right shoe, which, uh, was now in two pieces. So, um, yeah, so don't. Keep your bank card in your shoes, guys. So, so you ran <laughs> fifty-five miles with your bank card. With bank card in your shoes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe that. That's how did you not notice that? No, I just well, I, I thought I, I did kind of notice, but I thought it was just like little small, you know, cramping or something in the bridge of my foot, and it's just like it'll be fine, you know, just carry on. Um, yeah, it wasn't until then, and it, it got quite a laugh at the Balfour checkpoint. I must say, um, everybody was kind of thinking like quite quite hilarious. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that sort of thing, although, you know, if it didn't cause you any real issues, it probably helped a little bit. Yeah. Because, you know, it lightened the mood and, yeah, have a laugh at yourself and that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that, yeah. I can't remember what you told me or somebody else told me, but, that, yeah, I couldn't believe <laughs> 55 miles of your bank card in your shoe is brilliant. Um, yeah, so you you were getting the issues in your feet. Um, yeah. By Cardin or Neil, sort of thing, yeah. So 29 miles to go. Yeah. I was probably tracking you by this point anyway. I, I tracked you a while beforehand. I'd seen that you'd got around the halfway and you were, you were coming back. And I'd seen that which you had DNF'd and that sort of thing. So I, I knew, you know, but once you were coming back, I thought, yeah, he's probably got a good chance of finishing now because he's actually heading back. That's, you know, you get over the brow of the hill sort of thing. And, um, and then I saw you, you know, you checked in again, King Cardinal Neil. And, you know, once you're that close, I mean, it would be heartbreaking not to finish Absolutely. amongst anything else. Yeah. Uh, I mean, 29 miles doesn't sound close, but in a 100 miler, you know, you're, you're almost three quarters of the way through. So, um, some ways it would be easier to carry on, I guess, even though it hurts, yeah. which sounds crazy. Yeah. But, um, so what was the, what was going on in your head then at that point? Yeah. I mean, the, just in my, in my head was there, you know, you, you know, started getting those issues and that it was just going to be, you know, everything I had to get to, to get to the finish. So, um, ne- you know, the next thing in my mind was getting to top Scottsdale, um, and, uh, you know, the, the hope there was to get there just before sunrise. Okay. Um, so I was trying to get there around half five in the morning. Um, that was kind of the aim. So that was, you know, about nine miles ish from, from Garden View to get to the top of, uh, the top of there. Um, so I was kind of just, just trying to break it down more mentally. So it didn't sound like I had as much to do yeah. as what I did. So. Um, and from, from there to, from there to, the, it's a, tells me you're getting through a, a boy and this like that. It was just, there were people coming back in from the nights out and things like that who, you know, and I was like, you know, jogging, stroke walking past them, you know, in a pair of shorts and t-shirt. And they were like, <laughs> oh, you're a bit brave, mate, aren't you? And I'm just like, oh yeah, I'm like part of this hundred mile race. And I, you know, I've only got 25 miles left or whatever. And I'm just like, oh, go on, son. So I was just like, <laughs> So yeah, I could have quite easily probably just went to the pub and had a drink myself, but um <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty weird, you know, like you've gone through all these places and there's nothing but police and people who are who are Yeah, because uh, that would have been yeah Friday night, Saturday morning. Saturday morning, yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh pretty pretty odd going through all these places. But 
Um, my kind of thoughts wandering there of like how kind of log things you're taking, yeah. you know, to to you know to get to a boing, to get to mm-hmm. uh, the Port Harcourt Bridge, to get to like all of these places. Yeah, because what were you doing a lot of walking by this point? Yeah, yeah. Were you doing any running? I was bit of, bit of light jogging, but yeah. yeah, it was just it was getting to that point where it was quite painful. So I did as much kind of power walking as mm-hmm. possible. So it was still maybe probably averaging probably four miles an hour at this mm-hmm. point. So yeah, still moving along. At reasonable, yeah, reasonable yeah. rate. Um, so yes, yeah, like I say, you know, the next, the next part was to get up Scotty Hill, and uh, like I said, the start of that's a diversion off the D side way, and uh, mm-hmm. I knew that when I came down off the D side way, that you know, the natural way for us to go back was to go along the D side way and then turn right. So <laughs> as I was uh, as I was coming down down the, the D side way, I got to like the first turning that was going right. There was no marking, you know, there was nothing there. And I was just like, well, it must be this one. <laughs> um, and started hiking up the towards Scotty Hill and took me the wrong the wrong place. And th- and this was kind of uh, exasperated by the fact that I was actually falling asleep and moving. So um, <laughs> yeah, I just could not stay awake. I was just and I kept like nodding. Just like, I've I've never experienced this before in any other race, you know. Yeah. That, like I've done, you know, Glenmore Twenty Four and everywhere else, and you know, just never experienced this like feeling of just falling asleep on moving. And uh, eventually got to this like junction, probably about two two miles later, and I was just like, this just doesn't seem right. And yeah. It's it's definitely not where I should be. So I wandered around there for a little while, trying to figure out where I was meant to be going, and uh, suddenly had this bright idea of like, well, I've got. Got a tracker and got a phone in my bag, and I'll just find out where I am, right? Yeah. But then I couldn't figure out bloody contours and that, so it's just like, and I just so I eventually hit the emergency on the the SOS on the on the tracker a, a few times, and uh, I think obviously maybe at that point the guys were quite busy. I was looking things lost as well, so yeah. it took me a while for actually something for me, but but. but by the time Ian, who did a really good job of, of keeping salt safe and sound, had called me, I'd already got myself back oh, right, on, okay. onto the right track. And uh, him and I had a conversation for about five minutes. I think he was probably just as tired as I was at this point. And I was just like, oh, I'm really sorry to bother me. And I was just like, fall asleep. And I was like, oh, tell me about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it was just, yeah, it was just happy that I got yeah. back on. But I had lost him like a whole hour Time yeah, probably an additional two miles onto the onto the onto the base just for good. <laughs> so yeah, eventually got to the top of Scotty Hill and, and at this point in the snow. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, I was going to ask about the weather actually. Yeah. At what point did it turn then? Um, so I mean, I mean, on the Friday it was it was pretty blustery from time to time, but it wasn't consistent. And I remember just getting towards Balder and going past the the D side airfield and. and it was like this really mental weather front for about 15 minutes where just, everybody was open. Um, but it was reasonably really good. But yeah, I think the weather really started turning for the worst around like six in the morning off the, off the Saturday. Oh, okay. yeah. So by the time I got to the, the folly again and seen Chip, the legend, that yeah. there the whole night, <laughs> who by this point was cocooned inside a sleeping bag. Yeah. And it was just like, go write your number and that bit of paper, mate, because I'm not getting out of this. Uh, <laughs> um, which was probably the hardest bit of the race was writing my own number. On um, yeah, so the uh, absolute legend to be there. I mean, uh, it was pretty it was pretty grim. Yeah, I mean, my, my mate, uh, his brother, I don't know if you know, Andy Torrance, do you know him? Yeah. Yeah, so I'm really good mates with his brother, Pete. And um, so he was up in school. You maybe saw well, him. Actually. I actually met him 
Uh, he was coming, he was on the way up and I was on the way down. Ah, yeah, okay. And I met him on the way up and he explained to me that uh, his brother had been in the race. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah, that's Pete. And he was yeah. saying, he was, I saw him that night, actually, we were out that night and then uh, talking about the D99 and I didn't realise his brother was running it at the time. Otherwise, I'd attract him as well. But, um, <clears throat> and he was saying he went up Scotty and it was just grim. Yeah. So grim. <laughs> he was like, I can't believe that those guys were out for that long and then had to do that. He was, he was there for a wee while. Uh, supporting some runners there, and he's about sorry, five, six in the morning. Actually, he said he was there. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, horrible. <laughs> that, I mean, any time of any race, it would be pretty bad. But yeah. when you're not managing to move particularly quickly and uh, probably questioning your life decisions and your life choices, <laughs> yes, <laughs> it's uh, yeah. So, so how long did you have left to go from there? You must oh. be about. Maybe, you know, 15, 16 miles would be. Yeah, so see, that's about 18, 18 miles from yeah. there. So, um, I can't remember how much time I had left, but I knew I didn't have a little bit. Yeah, so half six in the morning, so I had to, had to like 4 p.m. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So it's still, there's still quite a lot of, uh, a lot of time being on the clock. As yeah. Well. Um, but getting down off the hill is more difficult than actually getting up the hill. I can imagine, is, yeah. Um, having, having quite a tight fog issue on my left where actually stepping down was like, be quite an issue, mm-hmm. um, so it was really just a hobble yeah. down to the uh, bank bridge checkpoint. Yeah, and the the bank bridge checkpoint. What was that like? Was that inside? No, yeah, that's a, that was my like open air checkpoint. Open. So yeah, um, so no, just, no temptation. To yeah, hang just the just the van the table. I did take the opportunity to put another layer there because I'm starting to feel a bit cold. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, the medics were there as well, and just I took on some coffee as well, just to try and warm up the core a little bit as well. And then a wee bit of food, and then it was uh, basically as fast as I could from there yeah, to. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, you mentioned you chucked on a layer. So what were you carrying with you? And I presume you had a, a racing bag. Racing yeah. Bag so yeah. we're a relatively small race vest, um, which was primarily for food, but um, in there, you know, the waterproof jacket, also the waterproof uh, trousers, mm-hmm. which is the first time I've actually used them in a race in the last oh, few miles. Yeah, actually, yeah, they actually, on, yeah. actually broke them out this time. Yeah. But I also had spare base layer, spare mid layer, and also spare kind of leggings. Okay. Uh, in case of, and also hat, scarf, uh, hat, gloves, and a, like a stew type thing mm-hmm. as well. Um, so just trying to prepare for kind of all the Yeah, because I mean, I've, I've never had to carry anything on any race I've been on, but I mean, I've, I've I've looked at things like the Clack and the Ben race and that sort mm-hmm. of thing, which I've, I've all, I think I maybe did enter it once, but I was injured or something, didn't I run it? But yeah, you've got compulsory kit and stuff, which has got your waterproof head to toe stuff. And I'm yeah. like, really? You, know, you can put that on? But, you know, yeah. if the, the, the point with that is if, if you go down on the hill, mm-hmm. you, you need to be prepared. Um, if you're not able to move, if you were to fall and hurt yourself or something, you need to get covered up so you don't, um, get hypothermia, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and, but, if you're on a hundred miler um, through the night and you're not moving very quickly, yeah. you get need more layers than if you're running. So, yeah, makes perfect sense, obviously. But um, yeah, so you actually you actually have the waterproof trousers on. <laughs> Do you yeah, know that was, that was, that was a good layer on the rest. Yeah, yeah. Um, they, they probably were like six miles. From the uh-huh. Yeah, um, I also had a, the the foil blanket which I carry around. Oh yeah, all the time, uh, which I never thought I'd ever use. Got used as well. Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I tell you, that, I think that I lost about 20 minutes. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, it was, uh, it just did not go on. It's like, how do I open this thing? It's just, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. just crazy. Yeah, yeah, I've got an emergency, uh, bivy bag thing that I've 
carry my rucksack and I'm taking folk out on trail races and stuff and just for that reason in case somebody goes down or whatever but um, yeah it's going to remain in the packet forever I think yeah. <laughs> better there than not there so um, so yeah so you're at um, off Scotty Hill and then it's relatively flat from there back isn't it yeah, it's, I mean, yeah. It, it's, it's kind of net downhill on the way back so um, uh, you know making making reasonable progress on, on the way back and you know, I knew as it was getting closer to 9 a.m. that the D19, that, sorry, the D33 would be starting. Oh, of course, um, yeah. And, uh, you know, it was a kind of a, it was a kind of approach that kind of, um, you know, time of, time of day. And, you know, I started, you know, once I got to like 10 a.m., I started looking out for kind of those runners. Mm-hmm. So I started meeting those runners probably about 10 miles into their race. Yeah, uh, yeah. And, uh, I guess that was one of the things which uh, was actually really quite, quite a boost and, um, you know, you mentioned earlier on that, you know, seeing runners coming yeah. back can be sometimes a bit demoralizing, but in this instance, you know, it was people, they're all really encouraging and yeah, just like, I can imagine, not, yeah. you know, they're just, you know, not that far into like setting off on their own kind of many adventures, mm-hmm. suppose, and for some of them, it's the longest thing we'll ever do. Um, and, you know, for, for me, it was really great just to have them, you know, high five me yeah, and like, yeah. tell me I'm doing great. And, you know, even at those points when I didn't really feel like I was, you know, because it was just at that point, you know, I've probably, Traveling three miles an hour by yeah. that point, so it was like taking me a really long time to get anywhere. Um, and then really grateful to see like the halfway checkpoint then for the for the D thirty three race. So yeah. later, it was around eight and a half miles, and and just really knowing that the reality of finishing was becoming more real. Yeah, yeah. Um, but still have this appreciation that it's still quite, yeah, quite, yeah, yeah. quite a wee bit. To yeah, go. Eight, eight miles sounds like nothing <laughs> yeah. when your when your legs are trashed, your body's trashed. So yeah, I hadn't thought about that actually. You met you'd have met every single D thirty three runner. Yes. On the way out. Yes. And I I also seen the winner on the way back yeah. as well. You over, you yeah, know. I was gonna say uh, just the winner, is that the only one? Uh, no, there was probably the first few. Yeah, I thought I might have been a few, yeah. Because yeah. 'cause they're pretty quick actually. So yeah. you just saw Gavin and then yeah. second, yeah. yeah. Um so yeah, I never never even thought about that, but that must be pretty cool because I can imagine, like, regardless of who they are, they're all gonna be impressed with somebody completing a hundred yeah. miler, right? Even though, you know, the guys at the front will be impressed. Um, by guys completely 100 milers so you've probably got heaps of encouragement and like you say high fives and stuff and that must amongst everything else would have just taken your mind off what you're doing for a while yeah definitely because it is a string of them so they'd be be so strung out like I mean I mentioned when I was at the back of that I was 8 miles behind by 12 miles you know so I mean that that guy's drawn 20 and then I'm on 12 Mm -hmm. so I'm sure it's similar now there'd be guys finishing around the 7 hour mark so You'd have had that strung out for, for ages. That'd be pretty cool, actually. Yeah. So yeah. that'd have been a good, a good morale booster. And then, so when, can you remember roughly where that stopped? Um, probably, probably stopped not before, uh, not long before kind of the road crossing, uh, uh pure, is it pure? I, I know you're not. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know the bit you mean. Yeah. Um, um, across the new road. So there's mm-hmm. a, so about, there's about seven miles left. Yeah. Um, oh, so you've got, yeah, you've got a fair bit jumped yeah. through that. So, because uh, I was going to ask you, did that have a negative impact on you once you stopped seeing them? But then knowing you had relatively little to go, maybe not, but. Um, like? No, it didn't really, but I think, um, it kind of gave me maybe a bit more of a boost to be like, right, uh, get, get to the finish kind of as quickly as possible so that, the whole D33 aren't lapping you. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, uh, I think the aim there was, you know, just to try and like not have as many passages yeah, as, yeah, yeah. as you might think. So, 
Um, which is a really silly thought at the time because it was, you know, by that point, uh, you're, you're at the mercy of your, of your mind and body. Yeah, and, definitely. And so can only, you know, it, at that point, it is, uh, fighting every tooth and nail just to, just to keep moving, you know, yeah, and it's forward. Um, <laughs> yeah, so, so that, yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm just, I'm sort of laughing to myself because something, you know, that's you at the end of a hundred miler. But I remember coming back on the way back to D33, and I mean, I walked the lots of that second half of that race, but I can remember I was jogging as fast as I could jog, and I wasn't catching up with the dog walkers and stuff. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, and I was like, oh man, this is pathetic. But, uh, but yeah, you know, so you had seven to go, and so was there any point of this? Where you were hallucinating or any of that sort of stuff, or no, I didn't have any hallucinations. No. The, the only, the only kind of negative thing that had happened to me was the the kind of falling, falling asleep, asleep while, yeah. while while moving. Uh, but I think yeah, there was just good management of you know food and yeah, and, yeah. I think the food must have um, a lot to do with that, and uh, you know trying to keep them hydrated. Uh, with that said, you know probably for the last five, maybe five, probably since the top of Scotty Hill to the finish, I've been eating a lot and actually. Um, that was quite detrimental, probably in the end. Um, my, uh, actually, my tummy was like rumbling at, at times, oh, but right. I was just at that point where I'm just like, I'm ignoring you. I just want to keep going, keep going. Yeah, uh, which, yeah. You know, for for lessons for future, that's definitely. Yeah, and that's I think, you know, I've, I've heard <clears throat> uh, stories from people who have got support crew and stuff. So you were doing it unsupported. Yeah. Uh, if you had a support, what if? Could you have a support runner? Yeah, you could yeah. have a support runner away from the first battle for checkpoints. So, uh, so if you'd had somebody with you, they might have forced you to, to do that, but yeah. you're doing it unsupported. So it's very difficult if you're in charge of all that yourself, you know, with all of this sleep deprivation and being completely knackered and, and all the rest of it to, to actually do that sensibly. And yeah, so gonna, if you'd had somebody with you, like, oh, no, I don't want to eat. You were eating this, whether you like it or not. Uh, sort of idea, and um, yeah, I've heard that before. So, um, so what was it like? I remember how I felt when I hit Duffy Park. Yeah, <laughs> and I mean, I had a tear in my eye literally. Yeah. Uh, what was it like for you when you got there? Uh, surprisingly, you know, for me, it was nothing. Yeah, really. <laughs> I got I I got to Duffy Park and kind of, I think I had a few emotional moments around four miles to go, whatever. I was just like, you know, kind of. Um, you know, that, that was kind of, you know, that, that, that kind of four miles to go, ever that was when it hurt the most. Mm-hmm. Those last four miles were just, and that was after the foil blank, foil blanket incident and, <clears throat> and all that kind of stuff. So, um, it was kind of like really emotionally go there. And that, yeah, I remember, I remember going to, into Duffy Park. I was just waiting to see that bridge. You know, that was the only thing I was like focused on was I need to see a bridge in yeah. Duffy Park. So got there. Seen the gates and my my wife and my two kids are there waiting in the rain uh, <laughs> in the rain for me and it's not this you know it's pretty desolate there's not many other people around um, you know but at this point I'm just, I'm just walking I can see the finish line and I'm just like I'm just like you know, you know I've made it yeah but I didn't have any feeling of kind of elation or you know, I remember even like finishing the Glenmore 24 and being quite upset because I was just like, what could I do now? I just ran this whole thing for 24 hours and felt quite emotional about it. And I guess I had, in my mind, I had expected to be a bit like Yeah. That. But it just didn't. It just yeah. nothing happened. I'm surprised. Like, if, I'm just, surprised if you're, you're, I didn't realize your wife and kids were there. Yeah. I can imagine, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty emotionless a lot of the time. Yeah, but, me too. Um, yeah. <laughs> but my kids, my kids get me, you know, like I'm sure most uh, parents mm-hmm. do. Um, and I can imagine, uh, I had a 
possibly been a bit of a wreck um, yeah. at that at that point. But um, I just remember being so relieved when I hit Duffy Park and that experience I had, and and you know I was just so happy that mm-hmm. it was over, you know, because it was bloody hard. But um, obviously, what you did was far more impressive. So I, I was fully expecting you to tell me you were. Yeah, you were no, crying abs- like a baby. But, absolutely uh, nothing. I just like <laughs> walked across the line, and uh, the first person I think I met was uh, Andrew Gordon. Oh, uh, yeah. He'll be taking on the D33 auditions yeah. from next year onwards. And um, I had made him promise me at a, a Ballotour that if I made it to finish, he would give me a hug because he, he doesn't give very many hugs. So, okay. <laughs> uh, so I managed to get, managed to get a hug from, from Andrew Gordon, and then uh, Dodd, the, the, the race organizer, then presented me with the. With the the belt buckle and, uh, you know, gradually, I mean, then the can of beer and you just whisk straight off into this heated tent to try and, yeah. try and get some, some temperature back. Yeah. So. so, yeah, I mean, that's, to be honest, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed that you did it because I knew your training wasn't good and, and all this. I'm, I'm not amazed you did it in that sense. I mean, I knew you would give it your best shot and, you know, if anyone was going to manage, you would do it, but. It's a you know, hundred miles is a long way, you know. It's a really, really long way, but I think you, I think you just approached it so well, and that's that's why you succeeded. I mean, if you'd run, try to run too fast or whatever, um, in the in the first half, it wouldn't have happened, and and you manage yourself really well with your nutrition and all the rest of it. So, you know, congratulations first off. Um, I, I, but it also sounds like it went amazingly well, you know, all things considered. You know, all, you hear about these, uh, like I asked you about hallucinations and that sort of thing. I've heard some crazy stories. I was of a guy, uh, I don't know if you know him, a guy called Kev Mottram from, um, say Newborough, I think. Uh, and he was, I don't remember what race it was he was doing, but he was telling us, I think it was maybe it was the, the West Island way or something, but he was seeing little aliens and yeah, stuff, yeah. <laughs> all sorts of stuff. So, um, I think that must be, like you said, to do in, Nutrition and hydration and managing it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you, you did a great job. So um, the whole time you were, you were saying that, I was thinking about um, our, our friends at uh, Tartan Running Shorts podcast. Uh, we're speaking about this, and Tom Bryan, who is not an ultra marathon runner, but a very very good marathon runner, had said, "Questioned why anybody would do this." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and I wondered, um, given all of what you said, what why why why? Yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a good question. I think it's uh, one of these things which um, I guess my wife also asked ask me as well is uh, you know why and um, my wife walked into the room and she's laughing. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, and I guess uh, you know there's all there's always another question which comes after that is why and what next. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I think those are like really key things for me, and um, I think there's a couple of reasons for it, and. Um, a lot, a lot of it has to do, I guess, with, um, I mentioned a bit earlier about the, the kind of, uh, disruptive kind of childhood upbringing and, and things of like that. And, um, and I guess there was, there was always that, um, the thing of people in, in, in the past, I guess, a child growing up who always told me I couldn't do things right. And, um, I proved them all wrong. And, uh, yeah. and then I guess everybody then has this, uh, I guess, notional sense of what their limits are. And uh, you know, for for me, I think that limits are are they're only imagined until until you've broken them. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for me, it's all about that process of uh, you know 
of putting in the training, or in this case, not. <laughs> um, and uh, taking myself to those uh, those places and to kind of you know reevaluate actually what I'm capable of and to lift the ceiling and what those preconceived limits that I think I have and uh, you know blowing my water yeah and I think there's something really powerful in that and something that's um, you know quite quite refreshing and you know sense of uh, I guess achievement I suppose in in, in that and so as well as I say to everybody is like I. I enjoy the process more than the actual outcome. Mm-hmm. So the actual race process of it was really, I really quite enjoyed. I really quite enjoyed struggling with the fact that I'd done, not done really that much training, struggling with the psychology of all that, coming up with like a, what I thought was a, a good race plan to get to the finish and then actually doing it. And I think that's the thing for me. It's just, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's really interesting because it's, it's a different, completely different way of looking at things. I've had conversations with runners before and I'm, I'm putting words in, in Tom's mouth a little bit here, but I can imagine he would have, um, he would enjoy seeing where he, he can get to a marathon, how fast a marathon he could run. Yeah. You know, some people think running a marathon is crazy, right? Yeah. So it's a long, 26 miles is a long way to run. But, um, you know, and I, I, that's kind of, I mean, I've, it's unfortunate my wife's walked in now because she's going to hear what I'm thinking about ultra, <laughs> ultra running and stuff. But, um, you know, I've, I've, I've been, my my head has been flirting with ultra running for probably three years, four years now, and that's the thing for me is you know what I really love the idea of going to run like a hundred mile or or twenty four hours or whatever, and to see if I can do it, yeah. see, see how fast I can do it, you know that sort of thing. But but I never I've never jumped into it yet because you know I'm 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 in my thirties and I've got a limited amount of time. To get faster at the shorter stuff. So for me, I'm, I'm always sort of wanting to run uh, PBs on the road and that sort of thing. As much as I love running hills and the trails and that sort of thing, I, I use that as training and for now anyway. But, um, you know, in the marathon, you know, I've not, I've not executed a marathon very well. So I really want to go and, and run a really good marathon. And you know, I've probably got between five and 10 years of, of being able to get faster, you know. I'm, I've been a bit generous for 10 years, actually. <laughs> I'm 37 now, so uh, maybe up to about the age of 45 or something, maybe, given that I came relatively into running. Um, but at the same time, you know, I'm never, ever going to be fast enough to be, like, an elite runner. You know, I'm never going to get into a Scotland team or a GB team or any of that stuff. You know, far, far from it. So what is the point? You know, I mean, even if I run something like a 2.30 marathon, which I have no idea if I could do that or not, but it'd be cool to find out. Yeah. But a 2.30 marathon gets you nowhere, really. You know what I mean? <laughs> so why why waste, in inverted commas, time doing that? You know, so it's a flopping the question right in his head, you know, sort of thing. And whenever all these sort of cool places in Scotland, you can go and explore. Um, you know, there's not, no better way to do it, really. I mean, yeah. Um, you spent, okay, it was out and back, so you, but you covered 50 miles of, uh, landscape, uh, in a beautiful countryside in, in, uh, northeast of Scotland and enjoyed the process and, and also put your body through something and your mind through something that, um, you know, not many people are going to get to do again because yeah. it might never happen again as well. So that's probably another big reason why people did this one in particular because it was a one-off potentially. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's amazing, really. So, I just gonna, so what, what have we got, um, 
flat next. We had a wee chat about this before hit the record button, but um, this is going to sound a bit crazy, I think, what you're going to say. <laughs> what are you focusing on next after doing that? Um, well, I don't, don't really have anything in, in the books. I think, you know, after a week and a bit of uh, processing the whole the whole thing, you know, um, absolutely thirsty to do another 100 miler. Um, but hopefully with maybe a wee bit more training <laughs> would be great. Um, I think, you know, kind of proven to myself that I have the, the mental capacity and, you know, have used to kind of, uh, I guess, the last year and a half to kind of learn the trade, I suppose, of, um, of you know, long distance uh, endurance running. And um, I think a pretty good strategy and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's why I fare better in longer runs than, say, like yeah. half marathon or 10k or whatever, where it's all about speed. Um, but the uh, next little while is just going to be about hills and uh, I'll be taking part in things like the Crunch series and uh, Miller Tap Hill Race and uh, all those kind of things. Um, and then uh, we talked a little bit earlier about our, my fabled attempt at the uh, Space Sideway Ultramarathon. So um, I would really like to go back this year and um, and race that as, a, as, as to see, you know, treat it like a marathon and see what I can do. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, push, push my body to that, to that limit over, over the kind of, uh, you know, 50k and beyond kind of distance. And I think, uh, I think that timing's about right now. You know, I think I've probably learned enough to, to, to make that happen. Um, and then, uh, the event, which is going to be the, the first year of the Benny Hill marathon as well. Yeah. Which we're going to be doing. And, uh, as you rightly said, start with the, at some point there, the, the 12 hour Mormon Hill challenge. Yeah, yeah, so we're doing that in September, yeah, but the thing I, you never mentioned that you said to me earlier was you're going to have a, oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, I'd really like, you know, quite like to nail that sub, the sub 25k, um, uh, sub 40, sub 40 10, um, and, um, you know, if there was a chance of a, of a sub 90 half in there, then, you know, maybe go for it as well, and, I think, you know, the, the, the endurance and the ultra running will help with that. And then it's yeah. just a case of like, uh, working, working more speed, mm-hmm. speed type stuff for that. And then hopefully give myself enough time to convert back into the more endurance stuff yeah, for the, yeah, the last yeah. half of the year. So I think that's a really interesting way, I guess, to structure the year. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think there's always a place for, um, for speed work, uh, and amongst all that anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Even, even for, a lot of the others I train for, you know, I'm still doing, uh, rep sessions. I'm still doing interval sessions, you know, um, still doing like, uh, six minute assessment runs, uh, doing 3.2 kilometer assessment runs, mm-hmm. you know, I'm always kind of challenging the body work. Also. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. So, so yeah, you're a week and a half in. How, how are the legs and everything now? Yeah. Legs are pretty good now. I ran the first time in a, uh, since then on Monday and it was just a little four mile, uh, four mile run. Uh, felt really good. Actually, loosened off some little niggles that was happening. So, mm-hmm. um, ready to kind of, um, you know, start looking at you know what the structure is for the next kind of couple of months. Um, and uh, but, uh, you know, probably won't start that for a couple of weeks. I thought like a couple of busy weeks with uh, work and things like that. So, um, just going to focus on that over the next couple of weeks, and then yeah, start back into the into the training. Cool. Um, yeah, that's, uh, that's quite a story actually. All of that. It's amazing. So, um, one other theme we've got running through the podcast is this, um, how running has saved your life or, um, you know, obviously greatly enhanced your life doesn't have to save your life, but, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we've got some listeners to record audio clips that get played at the start of the podcast, yeah. just, um, giving us a very brief sort of 60 second story, that sort of thing. But, um, 
we've talked on the podcast about you know mental health issues and addiction and all this sort of stuff. And mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, you mentioned you're a bit of a checkered again, that sort of thing, and uh, I don't know if uh, if that applies to you or, or if you can relate to you know running that saved your life in inverted commas, not literally, but um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that, absolutely. Um, I think that's the massive on-scene benefit of running. Right, it's um, it's one of these sports that I think. Um, Perfectly juxtapositions kind of physical fitness with mental well-being, and it kind of combines combines both of those together. Um, I quickly I quickly learned that I'm a much better person as a runner than I am as a non-runner. Um, I have a very incredibly hectic work life, um, hectic home life with the two two small children, and then uh, squeezing in the training. But um, it helps me make sense of it all, and it helps me kind of uh, process my thinking. But I think the biggest benefit for me really is finding finding other people who uh, normalize those things, so you are able to kind of um, have have a maybe different point of view on on those kind of things, or uh, you know just just to you know to, to tell you that it's okay not to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you know your co-host Jenny is it is good at you know one. Of, I think one of the best advocates we probably have for that in, of the of that openness, and you know, we did we mentioned briefly both of us are probably quite um, emotionally disconnected, um, and that that's definitely something I would definitely would not be the kind of person who would just go to somebody and just start telling them about their problems. But when you're out running, you know, you've really got that kind of uh, shared interest in what you're doing, and it almost like breaks down these barriers and. Um, I think even you know the, the runs you and I have had together, yeah. and we've had been good chats along along the way about about different issues, and um, you know the course of a the course of hundred miles is a really good time to think and um, all that kind of stuff. But I think you know to have, I think it's one of those sports that has really embraced um, those, those kind of issues around mental health, and also provides a really uh, a lifestyle based a lifestyle. Based medicine approach mm-hmm. uh, to deal with those things, and um, I think you know if if in some way this conversation or my efforts in running can introduce other people to that, then I don't really care if they ever do a mile or even sub twenty five k. I think that's probably the most important thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's an amazing way to look at that, and <clears throat> a couple of really interesting things that you brought up there, and. One that I've heard, I can't remember where it was, I heard this before, but, um, somebody talking about the, the whole, um, openness between runners. So if you're running side by side with someone, you, you find yourself telling them things you wouldn't normally tell mm-hmm. them and, and, vice, and, and hearing things that you might not have expected to hear because it's not this, um, Face to face thing, which is uh, more difficult looking people in the eye and telling them your, your deepest, darkest problems. But for some reason, when you're running side by side with someone, it's um, it, it's more open and, and you chat away, and you know you're not actually seeing the person, you know, properly, just in your peripheral, peripheral vision sort of thing. And and you can, you know, you're like you said, the the, the runs we've had. I'm thinking about when we go up around the bend at Huntley, and you know. I think we probably learned a few things about each other we didn't know before, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and that's, I mean, that, that can only be a good thing. Um, and I think it's, yeah, it's good to talk as they say. And, um, 
there's nothing else to do when you're running with someone <laughs> to yeah. talk to them. So, exactly. yeah, I think that's uh, that's really really important. And um, yeah, I forgot what the other thing was I was going to pick up on that you mentioned. So, um, yeah, but the mental health side and and ensuring that uh, it's it's okay to not be okay um, is a big thing that um, you know we need to keep hammering that message home mm-hmm. I think um collectively so I mean I like you know sort of mentioned both mentioned that you know we're not very open well I didn't used to be very I'm much more open now than I used to be but you know I, I mentioned this on the, one of the chats I was having with Jenny on the podcast about you know I grew up in a house of me and two brothers my dad and my mum and so it was four northeast blokes you know we don't talk about our feelings you know <laughs> just stay crammed down deep inside and, and, and never open up but um you know, I think I'm, I've been more open since having kids and stuff. And, and I think it's, you know, I, I want to be sure that they can chat to me about anything and, and that sort of thing. But there were so many stories in the last couple of years that have been really widely publicized on, on Facebook. And, and there was one just this week. Um, I forgot the guy's name because I hadn't heard of him before. Uh, Rab. Rab. Oh, he's not a runner who, uh, Took his life the other week, uh, the other day. Um, I'm just going to look his name up because I, I don't want to mention him without actually mentioning him properly. Um, here he is. Um, yeah, he's an ex-soldier, uh, very well-known Scottish runner in the ultra scene, which you know I'm not familiar with him. But Rab McAvoy, um, yeah, he'd um, taken his life just um, just fairly recently, and you know. Uh, it's it's really sad that these stories keep cropping up, but we need to speak about them um, and make sure that people who are struggling know that they can talk. You know, I don't think there'll be anybody out there who wouldn't listen. You know, definitely. Um, everyone sort of thing likes to keep themselves to themselves a lot of the time, but there must be someone in their life that they can just turn to. So, um, yeah, that's uh, that's a really and, and running helps with that. You know, I think that's the, the key point is running can can help to stabilize all of that can help you said it helps you make sense of it all and um you know a hectic lifestyle with, with all sorts of different stuff going on so um i mean i think that's the thing that you know people will go you know ask me you know do i listen to music when i'm running or um you know even the course of 100 miles when you listen to music when you do anything this and the answer is just no because mm-hmm. it's the only time where i you know it, it doesn't you know once you once running become a really good habit you know it doesn't take any or very little cognitive kind of thought to do it, you know, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those times where I feel the most still mm-hmm. free and, you know, kind of escaped from everything else that I have to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm exactly the same, you know, people have, I, I think the, the question, do you listen to music when you're running, normally comes from non-runners. I mean, there are lots of runners who do listen to music, but I think they, they don't, they don't think that everyone listens to music, it's not like that, it's, but people who've tried running or gone on a normally go on a treadmill, you know, if I'm on a treadmill, I'd, I would, I would listen to something if I'm on a treadmill because it's like staring at a wall or, or whatever. <laughs> but um, yeah, and and they think, oh, I don't know how you can run without music. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I'd rather hear what's going on around about me for one thing, but also, like you said, I mean, it is just I think about all sorts of nonsense when I'm running, you know, and. Uh, plan things in my mind, come up with ideas, uh, think about what's happened that day or the previous couple of days or, you know, think about even things like, you know, I might think about 
my grandparents that you know I've lost in, over the last few years and things things like that you know all of that stuff I maybe even have sort of conversations with them in my head and you know all sorts of crazy stuff really but it's it's better doing that than it not coming out you know um so so yeah that's uh yeah I think that's that's a really good message and maybe a, a good thing to end on so I've chatted probably for quite a long time there so uh, thanks so much for your for your time and, and hope the recovery continues as it has done and look forward to seeing your um, sub 25k in the next few months <laughs> sub, sub 40 10k and maybe even a half at sub 90 and then uh, back to the ultra stuff and I'm in two minds I told you earlier I'm in two minds about the Benahi ultra it's yeah. a bit close to the, the 12 hour thing that we're doing and as a non-ultra runner I may need a bit of recovery after it so but it's really tempting yeah <laughs> really really tempting so it's a uh, 50k isn't it yeah. 50k yeah lots of climbing and, and that sort of thing but it looks amazing um and andrew gordon who you mentioned there he's he's one of the the main people behind it so um yeah he, he is trying to encourage me and enter <laughs> so <laughs> we'll uh we'll see how that goes but yeah um all the best for those races this yeah, year and, and, and for the future thanks a lot Okay, thanks for that, Dave. Uh, that was fascinating. I loved having that chat with Dave. It was um, really, really interesting and surprising in many ways. But um, yeah, I was trying to tap into his knowledge about quite a lot of things because I'm doing this ultra challenge later in the year. But um, yeah, what, what did you think of of Dave's story, Jenny? Oh, I love Dave. I could honestly, I swear to God, I could listen to him talk all the time. I love his accent so much. <laughs> Such a nice guy, like so honest. Um, I, I just, I really, really, really value like any opportunity I get to to run with Dave because he's just, he's always got such a nice outlook on everything and says the right things and he's just sees the world <clears throat> in a really good way. I just, I just thought his story was incredible. I loved listening to, you know, all the background stuff and finding out a little bit about his childhood and things. It's just, it's incredible what you you learn about people. I think that's why I really enjoy podcasts. I love that little mm-hmm. insight and the time that you get because although you get to speak to people when you're running, um, and in ultra running, you definitely. <laughs> get that opportunity to find out quite a lot about people, but it's quite different. You you sort of skip some of the some of the the past, and you kind of dwell on on the now a little bit sometimes, I suppose. But yeah, what a great what a great day. What a hard shift that was. I'm gutted. I feel really bad now because uh, I wish I'd sort of been around so that I could have gone and seen him on the route. So next time, Dave, I promise. Next time, you're <laughs> crazy. I'll uh, I'll be there. Well, you, probably wouldn't have long, <laughs> you probably wouldn't have long to wait before Dave does something crazy. Uh, I know, I know. Yeah, and and it was. I mean, on paper, it was totally crazy that he even turned up because yeah. he he was going quite well, like you said, until he had that stupid injury in December, uh, playing a game. <laughs> but um, but since then, I mean, it was the hundred miles was just out the window. There was no way he was doing hundred miles. Yeah. Actually trained. 
So that's why, I mean, I loved the, his approach to it. You know, it wasn't... Yeah. And I think sometimes I'd have thought his approach was, was a bit mental, you know, like in, a, in an ultra race to run as far as you can and then just walk the rest of it. I love that. Advocate <laughs> walk, breaking it up so you're walking bits at a time to conserve energy. And then yeah. He was going to fall apart at some point anyway. There was no, no doubt he was going to have to stop running. So that was maybe the best way to do it, and he and he, and he did it sensibly with his um, his heart rate and all the rest of it, and he's got his nutrition mm-hmm. bang on. Uh, yeah, no, actually. I I I think mm-hmm. it's that if you approach something in the right way, you can you can you can do it. Yeah. Oh, not regardless of your prep, but but yeah, some a lot of things that you would have liked to have done in your prep, I suppose. Um, mm-hmm. Because he because he did. I mean, he mentioned his first go in ultra, which was only, only he says, like 37 miles. <laughs> and he asked that because he drank a can of Coke at 27 miles or something and started spewing everywhere. And uh, and that was game over. So yeah. from that, then going into a 100-mile race, which he had really hadn't prepped for, to be able to complete that. And there's other guys there who didn't complete it. You know, guys yeah, who... No. Um, who gave up uh, like 55 miles in or whatever because it was just too tough. Uh, Such a mental thing. That's, that's yeah. it, exactly. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you pay money to do these things. You put yourself on the start line and, you know, you're not you're not fighting a war here. You're you're out for, a you know, a, a run, really. Yeah, absolutely. So it's it like feels- a mental yeah, yeah. <clears throat> it, it's feels a at the time thing. It's, it is just it's just a battle with yourself isn't it yeah you put yourself you it's interesting like I speak to lots of people about it i suppose in the ultra world and you know like a lot of people are like why 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 would you want <laughs> to do that why would you want to put yourself into that situation but it is just like you find out a lot about yourself when you push yourself to that level of what exhaustion or you know, like you really do find out what you're made of and certainly anyone that's had a battle mentally with anything in life, like sometimes you can get some sort of clarity and peace of mind from maybe being on your own for a long period of time or just for covering that kind of distance and going through that sort of mental torture makes you a stronger person or makes you realise that you're stronger than you thought you were and helps you to deal with other aspects of your life and I think running does that for a lot of people like it really does help you um, to live a better life and deal with all the other stuff that you have to do you learn so much Mm-hmm. about yourself it's good and I, I think Dave's I, probably like that yeah I was going to say I, I know I know Dave pretty well uh, and I know I also know his wife quite well and yeah. uh, I definitely know that that is true for Dave he he is one of these guys it maybe doesn't have to be running but something similar he needs running in his life to yeah just to keep him taking over really and, and um, yeah but I really like what he I said. I appreciate that. I kind of asked him that question about um, because uh, yeah, we, you you and I definitely both listen to Tartan Running Shorts podcast, and I think Dave maybe does as well. And, um, Tom had mentioned something like, "Why would anybody want to enter this 100 mile race?" Well, he, oh, he, that's he, right. Yeah, I listen to that one too. And uh, you know, he's a marathon runner, and he, and so I sort of 
said to Dave, well, yeah, answer that question. Of why why does anyone enter this race and why does anyone want to do it? And, and that was, I really liked, yeah. that, that was part of it. But he also said something along the lines of he just really enjoys, he enjoys the, the challenge of working out how, you know, planning, how he's going, go, go through the process mm-hmm. of planning, how he's going to tackle it, given what his training looked like. So he'd have got himself to, like, a week before or two weeks before and thought, right, this is what the training's been. Had he had amazing training, he would have planned it differently. Mm-hmm. But his training, you know, was pretty crap, really, and, and for a 100-miler. And um, he then had to take a step back and look at that and go, right, what am I going to have to do? And, and he got yeah. it so right, you know, in terms of he got himself to the end, you know, in a really respectable time. Um, mm-hmm for that course and those conditions, first hundred miler, you know, all all of those things considered. Even if he had good training, his performance was yeah. good. So um it was it was just yeah, really good uh insight into to what that takes and, and yeah things to think about for for me, I won't be doing a hundred miles in twelve hours, but um you know, I'll be trying to do as many miles as I can in twelve mm-hmm. hours. You know, I, I think of running. Yeah. When I think of running and, and performing and events and stuff like that, it's it's about trying to get to the end as quickly as I can because I'm trying to run a PB or whatever, and my training exactly. gave me an indication as to how fast I could run on that day. But mm-hmm. if you take the recent example of me bowing the pieces at Kinloss Half Marathon because the day before I had terrible prep and no sleep and all the rest of it, if I'd really thought about that, before the race, I should either have or ran slower. You know, just gone right. I'm just no way I'm yeah. that pace, and just took two off the gas right from the start, and and sort of maybe yeah, it's only a half marathon. It's over done with fairly quickly. You just move yeah. on. Yeah. Uh, if you try to, do, if you go in a hundred miler with the plan of running sub twenty four hours, when you jo- when you enter, your training doesn't go to plan. You go, I'm just going to go at that pace anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you could uh, yeah. drop her after about 30 miles or something. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally, well, DNFing probably. So, mm-hmm. yeah, actually, I really, really enjoyed speaking to Dave. And, uh, yeah, and he's a great guy. Sort of mentioned his, his character as well, and uh, he is a really good guy, and, and the way he is outlook and stuff. And he's been, I've been out running with him a few times, but he's also done the tail running duties at my. Uh, Tail running duties and my trail runs that I organise sometimes, and and I know that he he's so good at that. You know, I was like guys mm-hmm. at the back who are like, oh man, I'm holding everybody up. You have to wait for me, and he's like, don't be ridiculous. This is what I'm here for. And yeah. Whatever it is, and then I remember him telling me that we were driving back from the we went up to the bin at Huntley. And oh yeah. The the lady at the back of that was like mentally struggling a bit with running up this hill or whatever and uh, she was like oh man uh, I don't know if we're going to get up this hill or somehow and Dave's like hey well come on let's just do it and uh, and she did and she was like so yeah. and she was like thanking him afterwards and stuff and yeah Aww. that sort of thing and I would be actually um, and it's just because mm. his nature is so good isn't it just um, yeah running at any pace you know you can go run at his pace or somebody else's pace which is a bit slower mm-hmm. still enjoy himself and yeah it's cool yeah 
Wat daar gaan we is is really helpful. En uh, yeah, I don't know what his next crazy thing is going to be. Actually, he's got a few things up his sleeve, but nothing as crazy. <laughs> but there will be another hundred mile, I'm sure, within the next. Oh yeah. Couple. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. So we're we're kind of coming to the end, almost of this episode. So next couple of weeks for you first, Jenny. You've got the London Marathon. Hopefully, London. Yeah. Are you gonna do it regardless? Are you gonna do it regardless or? Um, if it was this weekend, I would say no. But I've got a week, yeah. so uh, just yeah, take it easy and. Mm-hmm. See how it goes. I'm going to go down, whatever. My yeah. sister's in London, so um, stay with her. And oh, cool. um, there's plenty of people that I know that are running a lot of the jobs. Aye. Scotland Kintour lot are down there, so um, yeah, I'll be a so weekend Scotland of fun. Kintour, whatever. Joe Scotland Kintour yeah. could take over London, couldn't they? There's about six million. They could, yeah, yeah, <laughs> certainly could. But yeah, and there's, cool. uh, there'll be lots of. Um, I think there's quite a lot of folk. But usually on the plane on the way home, is everybody's yeah. uh, in their London t-shirts. So it'll be nice to catch up with yeah, some running buddies. Probably looks a bit like a, an A and E department. On the <laughs> yeah, it's a bit of that as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. So good um, luck, Danny. Um, the when's Baker Hughes? Is it in three weeks? It's then? the fifth of, fifth of May. Yeah, it's two weeks. Oh yeah, Sunday. it's the week after. We'll London. be chatting before, before yeah. that one. So. We won't dwell on Baker Hughes. So, so yeah, yeah, you've got a sort of at least a weekend of very take, taking it easy, and then next week you'll yeah. be taking it easy. Yeah. around and be able to get a party in to destiny out, I guess. Oh, yeah, a couple of easies maybe. Yeah. Be stay off, stay off the mountains. I will. Yeah. <laughs> that's it, that's the and, <laughs> and, uh yeah, good luck. Hopefully you get there Thank and hopefully... You. Because your training's been really good up until uh, up until that point, so... Ugh, I know. I'll report back been, later. Yeah. And good luck it's not my only marathon this year. <laughs> yeah. Cool. What other marathons have you got? Oh, you don't want to know. Plenty. <laughs> road marathons, or...? Um, road marathons, or...? Uh, yeah, I was going to do one later in the year, but I haven't oh, committed yet. But I've got Glencoe Marathon this year, so I'm going to do it aye. again. Aye. Um, I quite like it. it. It sort of isn't really a marathon, is it? It's more of a... Yeah, it's a day out. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, but yeah. Good. Yeah, so then you go. Um, yes, yeah, so I'll be uh, keeping keeping my uh, radar open to road marathons. That'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Have, have a wee think. Cool. So, um, yeah, next couple of weeks for me then, I've got um, just training um, this coming week. So, well, tomorrow actually we're going to go in um, Callum much who runs the Mormon Hill race in August. Um, the two of us are going to recce the route for the New Pitt Sligo Stroke Terlundi Hill Explore run, which is a week on Saturday. Um, tomorrow. I'm, going, I'm going running at like 3 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon, which never happens. Wow. Quite exciting. The logistic column's on night shift, so he can't go early. Uh. And... Um, 
that I thought it wasn't going to happen because my wife's away. She's got a night out. It says on the calendar, mm-hmm. Aberdeen. So I was like, oh, well, that's fine. That's a night out. That wouldn't interfere with anything. And I had it on the calendar, running with Callum in the afternoon. She said, oh, I need to leave at half past two in the afternoon. And I was like, well, for a night out? <laughs> yeah. I like your wife. <laughs> wow. She's pregnant, though. So it's not like she's going out uh, getting hammered or anything. But, um, so, well, I hope not. Um, so, uh, so discussing with Callum, and then Callum's wife, he, they've got two girls as well, so his uh, wife kindly offered to take our girls and... Uh, oh, brilliant. Her, run. So we ditched the kids. That's like a win-win. Saturday afternoon, it's amazing. So, uh, yeah, that's tomorrow. Um... Eight, eight miler in the hills, so that'll be cool. Uh, yeah. And just an easy run on Sunday, and then another sort of full training week next week, which will be the last proper training week for Baker Hughes 10k, and then an easy week leading into Baker Hughes after that. So, fingers crossed, all of that continues to go well, and I'll be lining up at Baker Hughes, going for PB. Hopefully, we'll see. We'll Yay. see. Yeah, I'm not going to sell until I actually run it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What can and happen, then, I suppose. So that's the next couple of weeks, anyway. And that's that. So, yeah, we'll just kind of wrap it up. I'm just going to have a little rattle through of podcast guests that we've got lined up, or, or sort of nearly lined up, I guess. We've got some pretty cool names. So I'm actually chatting later on today to our next guest, which will be for episode five, which... They are two guests, uh, Chris and Holly Deer, who uh, run the charity Hamish Deer's Warm Hugs. Um, that's a local charity which provides assistance, support uh, for people with very ill kiddies. Um, they very sadly had Hamish, who died when he was four. Um, he had, I think the condition's called neuroblastoma, I think is how you say it. Uh, that was a couple of years ago now, and they set up a charity and they've done amazing work ever since. So I know Chris from my football days when I was uh, an under-18 playing for Ellen Football Club <laughs> uh, back uh, a couple of years ago, we'll say. And uh, he's turned into a pretty amazing runner, actually. He's uh, cranking out some pretty cool half-marathon and marathon times the last year or so. And his wife, Holly, also does some running, but... Um, but more than that, uh, in the name of Hamish Deer, there have been countless runners in the last couple of years who donning the vests and going out to events. So I'm, I'm, I always find that amazing that a little boy has inspired so many people to, to get active. Yeah. So great. we're going to have a chat with, chat with those guys uh, later on tonight, actually, and that, that'll be episode five. Um, but after that, I've got a few pretty cool names written down in my notepad here. So some of these are definitely confirmed and some are sort of haven't got a date, mm-hmm. but they probably will are almost definitely going to be future guests. So I'm going to be chatting to um, Neil Gourley, who's the current 1,500-meter indoor British champion. Um, we've lined up to speak to him a while ago, actually, but he landed up not been able to make it that time, just around the time of the European Championships, uh, which he had a bit of a disappointment at because he missed the final through illness. Um, but he would have been on for potentially a medal there. So he's a very exciting prospect in, uh, for Team GB at the moment. And I'm going to chat to him next month, as well as Jenny Bannerman. Do you know her? Jenny Bannerman. Yeah. Her. 
Yeah, so she's like, well, she's been the best for her in Inverness for long enough, and she's just getting faster, still getting faster all the time. So I'm going to have a chat to her next month as well. And some other guests that I've got in the pipeline, um, not maybe concluded a date yet, but uh, Ailish McColgan, who's um, Liz McColgan's daughter, um, 5,000 uh-huh. meter runner, who's came on something unbelievable the last couple of years. She used to be a steeplechaser, but transitioned to 5,000 meter, and she won the silver medal at, I forget which championship it was now. Um, was that the World maybe? Or, I can't remember now. Yeah, she's got some pretty amazing credentials and probably a lot more to come. She's still pretty young. Um, <clears throat> who else is on the list here? So Anna Frost as well, hopefully. Oh, she, yay. We do speak to her. We never really got a date lined up. And then she had, I never, never quite realised how close she was to having a baby, so I haven't bothered yeah. her. Yeah. Uh, it'll leave her for a while, but I'll get back in touch with her and hopefully get a chat to her about... Uh, all things ultra running and being a mum as well. Um, And similar to Chris and Holly, actually, I'm going to be chatting to Johnny and Anna Cordoner at some point soon. They've got the charity stars, which is another very sad local story, but an inspiring one. Uh, They lost their their daughter, Kaylee, when she was, I think she was two. Um, And they set up a charity in her name and, have done amazing things since, and Johnny is mm-hmm. an incredible runner. Actually, he's he got some really impressive uh, times under his belt. But again, Kaylee's gone on to inspire hundreds, I'd say, of runners ever since. Um, mm-hmm. So it's, it's fantastic, really, to see. And at the top of them, I just rattle through some names actually that I'm I'm hoping to speak to. I haven't lined up any specific dates, but um, Holly Page, who's a GB ultra runner. Jasmine Paris, um, who's the, the lady who won the spine race um, earlier in the year. Well, Sandra Gordon, who is uh, one of the race directors at the upcoming Benahy Ultra. And Addy's taken over the D33, actually. I heard that recently. Mm-hmm. Um, good Colin, guy. Yeah, really good guy, Andrew. Colin McCourt, who is the guy who was a 1,500-meter GB runner went off the boil after not getting into London Olympics and put on a load of weight and then had a bet with his mates that he could run <laughs> 16.5k uh, within a year or he had to get their names tattooed on his body and he actually did it. It was amazing. So <laughs> I hope to chat to him sometime soon as well. Laura Graham, you, you may not have heard of. She's, um, I think it's Northern Ireland. She's from... Um, Marathon runner. She's um, she's run won the Belfast Marathon, the Dublin Marathon, a couple of times, I think. And she's a mum of four. We just like came out of nowhere a couple of years ago and won her local marathon mm. in a of time. I heard her on a podcast a couple of years ago, and she's like so down to earth and just like yeah, just just go running when I can. And I've had to take the go do my long runs with her and buggy and all the rest of it, you know, after dropping another three kids off and all this sort of stuff. It's just like just amazing. No. Um, and then who else is on here uh, a local runner Fiona Middleton who she featured in the f- episode one was her story at the start of the podcast mm, she yeah. so yeah, she's got quite a cool story hoping to chat to her soon as well 
and one or two others. I wouldn't rattle through any more. Um, yeah, just just a taste of what's coming up, I suppose, and some very different stories and different runners there. So hopefully that'll be be interesting for future episodes. Good so I just wrap it up there. Um, usual plug for Explore Running and the, the podcast. If you could um, hit the su- subscribe button on your podcast platform, that would be ace. And give us a rating as well. Um, and pop over to our Facebook page and check out what's going on. We've got um, group, group, some groups, uh, speed reps groups, beginner groups. Um, I go for a trail run once a month or so, and I also do some some remote coaching as well. So if you need some help with running, give me a shout. But other than that, uh, thank you very much for listening, and thank you for your time again, Jenny. And good luck at no London. Problem. You thank and everybody else. Hope it goes well. See, you. I will do. <laughs> All right. Okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.